Blog Talk Radio. Tuesday afternoon, everybody. I'm Rich Yelp alongside the coach, Eugene Benton, joining us here live. Of course, we're coming to you here in the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios in Somerville, South Carolina. And, well, Studio A, and you can hang out over in North Charleston at Cork Circle over at Studio B. Of course, where Coach Eugene is hanging out, waiting to catch up in here with us in just a few. But a lot of things uh, we are going to cover today. Of course, the guest list is loaded, as always, with five-star guests starting it off at 630 with the one and only Reginald Walker Jr. Of course, uh, we mention it all the time. He played over at Penn State with Joe Pye. He played with the great legendary coach uh, in the college business uh, back in the college days. Currently, he's on the TV screen. He's around the radios there in Charlotte, North Carolina. He'll check in with us. We'll talk a lot about uh, some of the headlines that are going on. Of course, COVID-19 in full-fledged. It is not halftime nor an intermission. It is, uh, of course, uh, hitting campuses around the college world now, of course, uh, LSU, one of the latest headlines, they uh, have been accused or there's rumors or there's some type of literature out there that they went out to a club, come back, and not only did they bring back uh, some memories, it sounds like they brought back that COVID-19 to the campus and over, I think, 30 uh, reports there with the football team. Clemson, they're also in the headlines, of course, with the COVID-19, uh, but there are states across the country that are that are now reporting that they have had uh, their residents leave like West Virginia, Ohio, and has come to Myrtle Beach and has brought back COVID. Now, here's the thing. Did you bring it to Myrtle Beach and leave a little bit and take the rest of it back with you? We're not sure. But what we do know is we're going to get into that conversation, of course, uh, with Reginald here about 630. But there's a lot of other things going on just coming out uh, out of NASCAR. The FBI has now said that the noose that was in Bubba Wallace's saw uh, was there since last year. Hmm, not sure I'm buying that, but I definitely uh, will get into that conversation with a lot of our guests here tonight. Uh, of course, Eugene and I will get into that as well. Of course, we'll look at all the other headlines around the country uh, throughout as well. Then at 7 o'clock, another headline story, and this is great news for the Pinnacle Group, uh, the charter schools around the state of South Carolina, not just for Pinnacle, but any of the charter schools. And this also helps out uh, a local school, uh, Bishop England, uh, where these guys uh, are going to have basically a, a, an open opportunity to go get who they want within the state lines of South Carolina to come and play football, baseball, basketball, whatever the sport is, they can come on in and, and, and give it a go. And, and I think that's neat, and we'll talk a little bit about that. I put out there on social media yesterday that South Carolina has a IMG state of mind right now, and, of course, what does that mean? That means it's got an open enrollment 
And, again, we'll get in here with uh, Todd Helms. He is with the Pinnacle Charter Academies. He represents uh, a handful of them here in our state, and we'll talk to him in depth, well, I'd say in depth, about how he feels about this. I'm sure he's uh, on cloud nine still after the report that came out yesterday. Then at 7.30, we check in with Coach Smitty. Of course, that's the head football coach over there, C.E. Murray. He's also the athletic director, Brian Smith. Uh, coach Smitty will check in with us at 7.30. we got a lot to cover with him. But we should and we will open the lines up throughout tonight's show. We'd love to hear from you, and it could be anything from NASCAR to maybe baseball is going to come back. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, but, of course, college football is on the screen. High school football is gearing up a little bit. I'm not sure they're going to let it go to the second wave as quick as some people thought they were going to. But we'll talk about that throughout tonight's show. But we want to hear from you tonight. So we will open up the lines throughout the entire three hours. They're calling in and weighing in and talking to one of our guests. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call in is 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in here live for the next three hours is 323-784-9681. Let me go ahead now and bring in that of Eugene Benton, Coach. Uh, of course, uh, you do a lot of things, uh, and you've been doing a lot of things with Oceanside. And, of course, they are one of those charter schools that uh, I would imagine uh, had a lot of excitement coming off the campus yesterday. I talked personally to Coach Call, who's the head football coach over there, and I tell you what, uh, he's got to be excited, and I know he is, because this opens the door for not just the kids around the corner that have gone to Wando or maybe go to another school there on that side of the river, but, man, he could literally come up to Somerville. He could go to West Ashley. He could go wherever he wants and uh, just say, hey, come on in. Well, actually, you know, and I talked to Coach Call yesterday. I reviewed the order when it came out. Uh, talked to the AD a little bit last night, and well, actually, you know, part of that's true, but part of that's not. And it, it's something that the uh, the charter schools get really upset. Um, you know, I was on staff for three years at Oceanside. Uh, part of what you're saying is true that some, but it, but it's reversed. If a kid wants to come to uh, charter school, Oceanside, Legion, or, or even the private schools they can go and reach out to a coach, reach out to an athletic uh, official, you know, reach out to a principal, something like that. Um, the coaches themselves are not allowed to go, for example, like you mentioned, to Somerville or Fort Dorchester and, and, and you know, kind of have a discussion with a player or a player parent and say, hey, you know, the, the, the floodgates are open now. Uh, you know, we sure would like to have you. I think you got – I think, you know, player X could be a, a superstar – come on in and uh, fill out an application. That still falls under the recruiting, which is something that's really sticky in South Carolina because, you know, the skis of schools are allowed to recruit. They can offer a, a kid a scholarship to come play um, and cover tuition and meals and transportation and, and, and gear and everything under the sun. Um, the charter public schools and the private schools who compete in skiza cannot offer scholarships or anything of value nor are they allowed to go out to, let's say, you know, um, Wanda and Lucy Beckham are both in Mount Pleasant. Oceanside still is, you know, Coach Call or, or any coaching staff is still not allowed to go to, say, a Wando player after practice and say, man, you know, you, you don't need to be practicing four hours a day till 9 o'clock at night. Here's our schedule and, and here's our, you know, our, our daily timeline and how we work out. And, oh, by the way, you know, we think you'd be a star running back. That's still considered recruiting, even though you're not technically offering something of value. So that part of it's still a no-no. Um, on the flip side of it, for athletes, if they are 
a resident of the state of South Carolina. They are permitted to attend a state charter school no matter where it's located. So by law, technically a kid who lives in Horry County, let's say Pauley's Island, uh, no, that's Georgetown. Let's say uh, the Horry County side of Merle's Inlet. That's about the closest you can get to Mount Pleasant. They could technically come play for Oceanside um, if their player, you know, if the player or player parent reached out and said, "Hey, you know, I really want to come down and check out this charter school." Um, and then the process is they would enter the lottery. Uh, just because the player is is very good or plays a certain sport, they don't get in. Um, there were several. Uh, high school athletes, football players, I know uh, in particular, that were left on the waiting list and didn't get in this year. Um, some softball players that I know that played with my daughter didn't get in just because of the lottery. And by state rule, you know, you can't just admit everybody. Um, and so to make it fair, there's a lottery. I've uh, been part of that process. That is where there are three teachers as well as uh, the principal, Ms. Corley, is sitting in the gym. All those who submitted an application to be part of the lottery invited to sit there they literally draw pieces of paper out of a fishbowl looking thing uh one teacher reads it aloud miss corley reads it aloud and then it gets entered into a computer into a spreadsheet uh, once those either decide whether they're staying or not staying or, or you know accepting their their seat in the class um if they don't then that gets moved on and those in the wait list you know it just shuffles forward um but like I said, you know, part of that is true that any kid in the state of South Carolina is uh, eligible to attend and play for um, immediately for one of the charter schools. However, our coaches are still not allowed to go and approach kids and say, hey, come over here. Because then, again, while there's nothing of value like a scholarship or gear, this, that, the other being offered, it's still considered recruiting because essentially the value item may be a chance to start or a chance to play a certain position or something like that. So it's really still sticky with that um, when it comes to the terms of recruiting. And, you know, coaches like uh, Coach Call and them, I'm sure, you know, he doesn't also doesn't want to burn bridges and doesn't want to offend other coaches because, you know, in the next couple of years, maybe you want to schedule those guys. Maybe you have to play them during the season, something like that. So, you know, there's still a, a gentleman's game part of it, and, and that's part of it. And I know we all hear reports throughout the state that, so-and-so offers so-and-so something of value or, or recruits a certain player to from public school to public school. But, you know, I, I hope those are few and far between and, and those guys get called out for it and, and it stops because, you know, when it comes to a charter school or a, a private um, school that competes in the high school league, they're not allowed to do that. And, you know, they have to walk a very uh, thin line because they know all eyes are on them. But, um Anyway, that was my spiel on that, and I, I know Coach Todd very, very well. Love the guy to death. He, he's someone that's almost like a, a mentor to me, and um, I know he'll be coming on and really excited to talk about it uh, more in depth and what the legal ramification means for all pinnacle schools. And, and also, I'm sure he'll probably talk about the school that uh, they're about to open up in Myrtle Beach. That's going to be a new pinnacle school as well. Um, but, again, you know, at 611, though we're hitting at that break, I just wanted to say, you know, really uh, happy and glad to be here and really looking forward to Reggie coming on and, and speaking with Coach Smitty. And as I said earlier, brother, you haven't been to Greeleyville because it's a long ride home, especially when Coach Smitty puts a whooping on you because I experienced that. But uh, I'm going to hang up, uh, put on mute, and I'm going to turn it back over to you, brother. Well, see, saying again, what he's referring to is we went out on Twitter uh, here and, uh, and put that we were going to be traveling 
to Manning, South Carolina, which is on, if you look at Coach Smitty's uh, Twitter header, uh, that's his location, is Manning. So, uh, while the school is in Greenleyville, I get that. Uh, but we were actually heading over to, of course, uh, to, to catch up with the coach. And, again, he's out and about and all around. Uh, but, again, there, there's a lot to cover here with this uh, this rule that just came out yesterday. And, and again, th- did I mean that, 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 that – let's use Coach Carlson. I guess he's the closest one to us. Uh, that he could literally go sit down as if he was uh, uh, Nick Saban and sit in your living room. No, I do not mean that. Not at all. But I do know this. I, I understand this. The kids understand that this opens the door. Parents understand this opens the door. This is something different. And, and again, you know, my, my biggest thing is, and as much as I am close to Somerville for being uh, the voice of the Green Wave for the last so many years and, and being close to, to the, the staff over there, uh, you wonder, is this the new era that now starts to open up new opportunities? Because uh, what Coach Smith is going to talk about at 730 is he possibly, again, and he called this, by the way, Coach Minnie, who is part of the public school uh, forum, is an athletic director and a head football coach over at uh, C.E. Murray. And uh, he, he called this. He, he mentioned this and, and, of course, said this was definitely going to happen. And um, I just feel in my heart that this is something that you're going to start to see maybe getting into a school of choice across the state of South Carolina. I, I just, uh, you know, um, when you when you get – into the ramification of, of of how it's put out there, it, it's the, the the just understanding that Charlotte does exactly school of choice. The state of Florida does the school of choice. If I'm not mistaken, in Atlanta, and Texas, and, and California, and some of the major schools that high school level wise, Alabama. I'm not sure what they got going on over there, but this does open the opportunity to do it. And, and again, uh, you know, I go either way with this. Whether I when I'm pro um, opening up the state and just saying, look, go where you want to go play, do what you want to go do, because here's what it does: it does change the dynamic of a coach and how he how he kind of sees a few things. Um,
Everybody, I'm Rich Yeldon. That is Eugene Benton. This is Southern Sports Central coming to you live from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios. Now, you can check out the factory, the actual gym, over in Hanahan, South Carolina at 5913 Loftus Road. You can reach out to them at 843-573-7391. Let's, let's get into a little bit of this because, Eugene, you know, you and I are kind of talking a little bit during the break. And uh, yesterday, I went on social media on SO Sports Central. That's Twitter. And uh, and I put it as an ING state of mind. Now, again, here's the thing. Um, not here to hurt people's feelings, not here to scare people, not here to do anything, but I'm here to call it the way it is. All right? Do I mean by saying ING that, 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 that they're literally going to send out the horses from the school like cowboys and ride out until the sun sets to all the local biggest schools across the state of South Carolina and round up the greatest alpha players and put them in the car and bring them back? Nope, I don't. Not one bit do I mean that. What I meant is that it is a very different opportunity for these charter schools than it is, let's use for Somerville. Somerville doesn't have that opportunity. Fort Dorchester doesn't have that opportunity. So, yes, it is a leg up for these schools. Yes, it is an opportunity for these schools. Okay, it, it, it does make the playing field a little bit different now. It, it honestly does. I'm not going to mention a young man's name because I don't go that route, but let's just say Jacob Altman, my son, is up here in Somerville, and he decides that baseball is something he wants to continue to do, but he looks over at a school like Oceanside and says, you know, I think I want to go there. He's got a car. He's got gas money. He's got an opportunity. If a kid over in Mount Pleasant says, hmm, wrestling's the real deal over in Somerville. I want to go wrestle for Coach Tuck. Well, Want one hand, and, and, and you know in the other hand, and I'm going to tell you, you don't get that chance. It's just what it is. Eugene, I'm going to bring you in because, again, this is a, I think this is going to be probably a pretty heavy topic tonight. It should be, and I'd love to hear from the listeners out there. 323-784-9681. Just your thoughts. Again, this is not uh, – <laughs> I like it. I, I, I like it. I don't have a problem with this opportunity because I think this is going to open the door for a lot of different things and, and – 
again, wait to see what happens. But when I mention the IMG thing, I, I don't want anybody to feel like I was throwing out that recruiting was going to happen. I, that's blasphemy and that's preposterous, and that's not even reality what I was saying. So if you, you, you think that I'm that closed-minded, you know, we should introduce each other again. Because at the end of the day, come on, you and I both know that if you have an opportunity to do something different, like Oceanside, like the new school in Myrtle Beach, like the school in, in, in Columbia, like the other schools around the state, hey, it is what it is. Eugene, go ahead. And, and you know, that's actually the, the bigger question that I think is not just that the ruling uh, was, quote, unquote, in favor of the public uh, charter schools and the private schools competing in the, uh, in the high school league, but the example you gave, if a, if a kid's over at Wando and wants to wrestle for Somerville, you know, that those parents may print that order out from the judge in hand and go enroll. I don't know that it's that, that they can't do that now because that order is, you know, orders are up for interpretation even though they're written, and that's why we have an appellate court system and the Supreme Court that's kind of the, the Supreme Court kind of reviews the legislature's laws and when someone petitions them and say, hey, this raises the question of the law, can we do this? Then it's up to the Supreme Court of South Carolina to interpret that and say, you know, we think that uh, it really means this. We really think that the state law, as it's written, and that's what was cited in the order for school choice, that may open up that gate for the kid from the kid from uh, Somerville or, or, like you said, in that example, a kid that wants to go wrestle for Coach Tuck. They may show up over at Somerville and try to enroll with that order in hand and say, you know what, we're eligible to play. Here's here's the order from the judge saying that you know these rules are invalid because the state is a has opened up you know with the legislature and the laws that's written that uh, school choice and you know the parents are there and they say you know I feel like this is a better fit for my child. So I don't. I, it's going to be interesting. I think it's bigger than just the uh, the twelve schools that that you know sued. And got that order. I mean, and I really think it may open up, you know, where school choice means school choice, you know, and and that's something that um, Coach Smitty has mentioned all along since it started. He's been on and, you know, he was tweeting me and sending me messages, you know, with the I told you so's and shaking his finger saying nobody listened to me, but I told you it was going to go this way. And, um, you know, obviously I'm I'm sure some of those schools are, are majorly concerned, some of the small schools. But um, because some of the larger schools, they just have more population. They get more state money typically because while, while the funding per student, if you calculate that, tends to be a little bit lower um, at the bigger schools, they have more students. And they get funded per right. student. Therefore, there's a bigger pool of money, so they have more resources. You know, Wando offers, you know, six or seven different foreign languages. My children, and I'm very, you know, I thank God, and I'm blessed that they go to um, what's known as or, or calculated as the number one school in the state in the academic magnet. You know, they have two choices for foreign language. It's a smaller school, but um, and they are afforded many educational opportunities at the school. Sports isn't, you know, the football, the basketball isn't always, you know, super competitive, but, you know, they field teams and those coaches do the best they can do in in 3A ball but um you know I'm really I'm really wondering how how this is going to go because if it opens up the gate where you know you can say you can take that order in hand and go from a Nashville Ridge to Somerville or vice versa or to Fort D and 
it, it, it's going to be very interesting, especially some of the schools, the big schools, the 5A schools like those three, along with Cane Bay. I mean, look at Cane Bay and Somerville. You know, you cruise right on down 17 and make a left from Somerville High School and you go to Cane Bay. Um, you know, those kids might say it's a better educational opportunity or, or the parents say this may be a better opportunity for my kids. So here's the order in hand. They're immediately eligible. So that's where I'm looking at it. It's not just how it applies to those charter schools and, and the, the private schools to compete in the public school league, but how is that going to morph into, you know, any parent saying, well, the state law and the judge just filed the state law says I have school choice. Um, one of the things I, I thought was an argument that I was waiting to see what the court was going to re- rely on was, you know, you have school choice. And I think when the law was originally written, it was school choice for educational purposes. Um, but then, you know, once I sat down and I really thought about it, I put out a tweet yesterday um, that I shared with you. And I said, you know, it may create a, a roadmap for other schools. And that meaning all the schools in the state um, seeking to improve the high school experience for students. I mean, as a coach uh, for three years and on staff at Oceanside for three years, you know, we never really looked at it as you're here to play football or you're here to get uh, take certain classes or whatnot. It, it was the whole high school experience, and that was part of what uh, Coach Greer had put into um, in kind of our team brand and team motto was, you know, for coaches, we're here to provide the best experience for the kids possible whether it be, you know, you're a starter and do big things and put up big numbers and go on to play D1 or, or something like that, or you just enjoy having four years of playing high school football, making some friends for life, learning the sport, uh, and growing mentally uh, and physically as a person. You know, it was just about the four years of, of your learning, your experience, and your opportunity because, you know, each school, whether they're great at academics or great at sports or, or great at both or good at one and great at the other – it's really not just high school to me just isn't one or the other. Um, it's, it's really about the embodiment of the four years of learning and growing. You come in as a, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old and you leave. Uh, a lot of kids leave as a, te- a legally emancipated adult at the age of 18. You know, they're considered to be an adult. So those four years are such a, uh, a valuable time in their life and just developing who they are and who they're going to be and where they're headed. You know, high school is kind of where you, you know, make your mark if you're going to a college. You know, well, what kind of grades do I have? Am I going to an Ivy League school? Am I going to a big state school? Am I going to a smaller school? You know, you may come in as a rising ninth grader and say, I want to be a doctor and leave, you know, want to be an engineer. You never know. So that's what I'm really looking forward to in a sense and kind of curious about is that how far this order is going to go because it may open up between the big schools too where parents just say, you know, a different school down the street is a better opportunity for my kids. Well, I don't think it's in place. we got to go to break there, but I don't, I don't think – we'll get more into this uh, throughout the night because we do have Coach Smitty join in at 730. Of course, he's part of the public school uh, conversation. If he's the athletic director and the head football coach at C.E. Murray, of course, at 7 o'clock. Uh, coach Todd Helms, he's with the Pinnacle Group, uh, the Charter Academies, uh, and there's multiple ones around the state of South Carolina. So we're going to get somebody from the Charter side and the public side uh, to have these conversations tonight. But I don't think, I don't think it's in the writing that anybody uh, in, in the public schools can do what you're going to see and, and what is going to be allowed, at least for this year, uh, for the charter schools. We'll get into that throughout. We do have to head to break because we're going to go to Charlotte, North Carolina, with the one and only Reginald Walker Jr. and his segment coming up next right here on Southern Sports Central. Guys, don't go anywhere. 
Yeah, welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie Alvin, alongside Eugene Benton. This is Southern Sports Central coming to you live on Blog Talk Radio here as uh, we're in the factory sports and fitness training studios in Somerville, South Carolina, just waiting, uh, of course, for Reginald Walker. He's going to be joining us here uh, hopefully in moments. I know he's uh, been at the TV station, I'm sure, here this afternoon. There's a lot happening, a lot covering. As uh, we're talking right now about the, uh, the, the order that came out Yesterday, Eugene, of course, is uh, is basically, uh, I'd say, the paralegal staff, no doubt, here at Southern Sports Center. He covers uh, the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and Joe's of, of the law field. Uh, and, and, again, if you would like to catch up with us tonight, if you want to talk to us, is this a good move for the state of South Carolina? And, and what does this mean for the public schools going forward? Now, again, uh, Eugene, uh, in the way it's laid out, and I want to give you guys the number really quick. If you would like to call in tonight, you'd like to be a part of this conversation concerning the charter school uh, order that was handed out yesterday and in favor of charter schools, by the way, uh, you can call in live right now. The number is 323-784-9681. Again, the number is 323-784-9681. Uh, multiple schools. Uh, Eugene, you being the law side of this thing, brother, James Island is a charter school, correct? It is. And, you know, and that yeah. raises a How does that work question. for them? Well, they can technically pull from anybody in the county. And, it, you know, and, and here's the thing is before the order came out, um, I emailed the principal over at um, Academic Magnet. And Academic Magnet right. is a very unique institution in that it serves Charleston County. Um, my kids are in the academic zone. But, um, you know, you would think it would be zoned by under the high school rule of the same area as the North Charleston High School. And I emailed the principal and I said, hey, you know, my curiosity is this. Based on the new on the rule that came out from the high school league, that means if let's say uh, I use the example of a female soccer player who plays soccer. She, she's very talented. She plays up in middle school. Let's say, for example, in Mount Pleasant. And she attends Lang Middle School, where my kids, before I moved, they attended uh, Lang Middle School. And she was a very talented soccer player and played up for Wando's JV or varsity program. But then in ninth grade, was admitted to Academic Magnet, came in as a freshman. Under the rule, it seemed to me that the kid would have to sit out a year because that's technically how the rule was written by the high school league. Then the response from the principal was, yes, but there's an exception um, that's a, and it's under the magnet school exception. And that exception was that the child that they were accepted to come in ninth grade would be immediately eligible under the magnet school exception. Um, if they came in at 10th grade or 11th grade, then there would either the, the host or former homeschool would have to sign a waiver, but that they're almost always granted. So it seemed to be, Almost a little unfair, a little weird for that, too, because under that rule, you know, and I, I didn't look up to see what the quote-unquote magnet school exception is, but apparently there's a magnet school exception, which was our kind of already in place and set a little bit of a footprint or, or a little bit of a blueprint for what was going on that kind of went against that rule. But by that rule, as, it, as the high school league put out there, it seemed to me that you know, there are no exceptions is the way that, you know, when that was passed back in, I think it was March. And so, you know, when I got that from her, I was kind of shocked and put aside by it because it seemed like, you know, what is this magnet school exception? Um, and so, you know, it seems like there's an exception for every role. 
And so that's kind of why I was like, whoa, 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 you know, what's going on here? But, uh, you know, apparently, like I said, apparently there's a magnet school exception. So, you know, there's another blueprint for a school. Maybe you become a magnet school uh, in your county, and there you go. You know, you, you can but be I a think, public high school. And, but, you know, James Island. But I think, Eugene, that, that, that – but you look at James Island. James Island is a charter school. James Island, that, they're, they're a charter school from the start. Now, the rule in Charleston County, because of, of their test scores, I mean, and that's, I believe that's where they stand, the reality there, that before this even happened, before this ruling was ever out, you could have gone wherever you wanted within the county. But my wonder and my curiosity is, is that now this James Island, because they are a charter school, do they now have the opportunity to go anywhere in the state, just like anywhere else, and, and receive a kid, let's say a kid from, uh, I don't want to stay in the city of Somerville, let's go to Berkeley, pick on Berkeley a little bit, into Monk's Corner, and there's a kid over at Monk's Corner, and he's like, man, this new coach is coming in, he's the real deal, he's going to bring a whole new energy, and the piece they're missing to be amazing is me. And I can drive from Monk's Corner, South Carolina, just a little bit over I-26's bridge and head into James Island and uh, become a Trojan. I- I'm wondering now, does that open the door for them? Because before this ruling was even put in place, Charleston County – you had a school of choice in Charleston County. They could go wherever they wanted because uh, a young lady very close to me went to uh, the performing arts school, right? And uh, they did not have a band or a dance team, so she was able to go to Burke High School and participate in those events. Just like at, well, of course, well, you got Oceanside. They don't have wrestling. So some of those guys that played football and other sports, they would go to Wando, and they could have come up to Somerville if that's where they lived at. I think that's the key, too. But there is, well, there, 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 there's a lot of loopholes. But my, my biggest thing was James Island. Where do they stand in this conversation of charter schools, and can they participate in, in the exact thing that Oceanside, that uh, you know, all these other schools, Gray Academy, are, are of course, uh, benefiting from this ruling from the judge? Well, you got to look at there. There's two different types of charters. James Island is a Charleston County charter, so therefore they can pull from Charleston County. Now, Oceanside, gotcha. Gray, they, and Legion, they are state charters, so they are mandated by the state charter system. Um, and so there's a difference in the type of charter that you're talking about. James Island is a Charleston County charter, so they can pull from Charleston County. Uh, and I'm sure the guys that that coach over at uh, Coach Marion at Baptist Hill and uh, the new coach used to be um, a good buddy over at St. John's can tell you that, you know, those kids out on uh, John's Island, if they had the ride, they could go over to James Island Charter pretty easy, and I'm pretty sure they'll tell you that they, they've lost uh, uh, some quality athletes that went to James Island Charter, you know, the chance to play for, you know, back then uh, up until this year it was 5A ball and things like that. Um, so there's a difference in state charters and county charters, but the county charters, like at James Allen, yes. And I know there are uh, students, there were plenty of students who were zoned for Burke High School who attended James Allen Charter. Now, what you're talking about with the School of the, uh, school of the Arts, um, they don't have the sports teams. Uh, my thought what originally was, well, if you go to the School of the Arts, you just play for Academic Magnet. That is not true uh, with that school if you're an athlete or if you're in the band or if you're in whatever – you are you play for the school to where you're zoned by your home address, right? Because it because school of the arts is a Charleston County thing. Um, you can attend as long as you're a Charleston County resident. However, uh, 
if you live in Mount Pleasant and you want to be on the dance team, then you'd have to go over to, you know, whether you're zoned for Lucy Beckham or Wando, you know, to be able to do that, uh, not just coming over to Academic Magnet. However, as I was told, you know, there are certain waivers for that. Um, it, it seems to me that there are a lot of waivers granted unless uh, unless an athlete plays one or two sports. If it's baseball or football or basketball, it seems to be a little uh, – you know, um, problem with the whole waiver thing and, and whether or not a homeschooler grant those. And sometimes it depends to the, you know, that homeschool and, and what those coaches and athletic director think. But again, th- there's a difference between a, a county charter and a state charter. And uh, James Island is a county charter. There you go. And that's the answer I was looking for because here's the thing. It seems to me, and again, we talked about what three different scenarios multiple different avenues and, and so many different schools that, that are affected by so many loopholes. There, there is a lot of loopholes. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, and, and you just have to be, you know, I guess uh, educated enough to find the one that fits yours the most. Uh, and for me, this order that was released just yesterday by the judge and, and by that committee, honestly, it, it really does, Eugene. I, I think I feel like it put the charter schools in a better situation. I, I don't, Again, I, I'm not trying to upset or, or, or uh, rub any feathers wrong by no means. But I'm just telling you that, it, that it's pretty sweet. Now, I think the rule is they have to start at the school at the beginning of the year. They still have to follow the guidelines of enrollment part of it with the South Carolina High School League uh, to get uh, eligible. And there's still some rules that they do have to follow. But, again, you know, as long as the kids have transportation, they can go where they want to go. They can go to this school, and that being not where they want to go, but where they want to go to be at one of either Gray or Oceanside or any other uh, institutions that were mentioned. Now, with that being said, let's go over to Bishop England because Bishop England is in this conversation, right? Bishop England benefits from this order. How do they benefit from it, Eugene? You kind of give us that legal side of it. How do they benefit from it? Uh, as uh, as a charter program, when it comes down to they have the ability now to go just like Oceanside around the state and uh, accept kids that want to make that travel. And they're an unusual bird in this because of their location. Uh, they are located in the city of Charleston, but in Berkeley County. Um, and you are zoned for your school based on the ha- athletic league, not by the city you're in, but by the county you're in, which their local school. Uh, or homeschool, you know, public school in the area was Philip Simmons. So by the high school rule, when it came out, was that the only kids that would be eligible day one as a freshman would be those kids who grew up on that peninsula part of Berkeley County, which would be zoned for Philip Simmons. Um, and see, and what they've typically been doing was that kids who were come in, you know, as a ninth grader was was immediately eligible no matter what part of Charleston County they were in. Um, however, now it, it appears that a kid can come in, whether they're Berkeley County, Charleston County, or whatever, uh, they can come in uh, to Bishop England as a ninth grader, and they're eligible immediately. If they've played somewhere else, the rule still applies, just like the other school. If they played somewhere else their freshman year and then come in you know, as a sophomore, they're supposed to sit a year. Um, <laughs> You know, I, my interpretation of the order was it looks like maybe now they don't have to sit a year. That, that's, again, there's going to be some interpretations up to this. Um, but if they come in as a freshman, it looks like they're ready to, they're eligible to roll. Um, now, as a public, as a, as a private school, uh, the public school rules still apply. 
you know, they're not allowed. The reason why they compete in the highest public high school league is they're not allowed to offer scholarships. If you offer scholarships and you get bumped over to Skiza, like, like the first Baptist and Porter Gouge and Pinewood and all those great schools that, you know, that, that compete in those in the Skiza league, but, you know, they can offer athletic scholarships to attend. Um, Bishop England cannot. However, that opens it up because now they're back, now Bishop England, you know, if a kid from James Island comes in as a freshman because they don't have a middle school, so you come in as a freshman in high school, even if that person as an eighth grader may have played for James Island's baseball team, they're still eligible day one as a ninth grader to play for Bishop England and compete in the South Carolina High School League. So that's kind of what, you know, the benefit to those guys or, or you know, kind of what they won was that the kids don't have to come just from Daniel Island or just that, you know, up Clements Ferry Road area uh, that would be zoned for Philip Simmons. Right, yeah. So it's, um, it's again, there's just so many different things. And we are going to check in at 7 o'clock with Town Hill. Uh, he's going to be coming to us from a remote location as he will uh, check in with us on uh, this Pinnacle Charter Academy side of life. As, uh, you know, he's uh, one of the founders of, uh, of I believe, the initial uh, school that started here in South Carolina with his program, and you've seen it grow tremendously. I mean, as uh, Eugene mentioned earlier, Myrtle Beach is going to be added to this kind of conversation, and I'm going to tell you something. Here's the deal, and, and, and I said this uh, to a few guys as well. You, you mentioned Pinewood. Uh, for you guys outside the Charleston area, Pinewood Preparatory College, High School is a, a college prep school, right? You can, because it's part of the SKIZA, which is, uh, is a league here in South Carolina for high school, and they have the ability to give a scholarship. And that, of course, puts them in a whole different ramification to help pay for the tuition for the school because they are academically extremely uh, impressive. But just as so is Oceanside, by the way. I don't want to throw Oceanside as just some athletic facility. No, they are academically uh, well-rounded at that school as well nationally. But uh, for Pinewood, uh, they have had a ton of, um, they have had a, a ton of success in basketball. And they've had some baseball success. They've had some football success. But I've said this before. If the headmaster looked at this program and looked at this protocol and looked at this, this formula, would it behoove him to get into this conversation and say, look, I like what we have. We can give scholarships. But, man, I can get some of that money from the state. I can change this thing into a charter program. And I can go out and basically take in Dorchester and Berkeley County kids, I don't even have to go outside of those two counties because those two counties alone are loaded with a ton of talent across the board. And for me, you know, I said this. Oh, well, that'd be like the old Somerville days before there was an Ashy Ridge and a Fort Dorchester. It would be incredible to have a school like you see at Oceanside over here on this side of the world when it comes down to it, Eugene. And, and the beauty of it is, is that typically when you look at the state charters and some of these, uh, you know, private schools, and let's just take that example, like you said, with um, Pinewood, one of the things that they offer is something that parents seek out. And, and a lot of parents love that. And that's the uh, small school environment where they feel like, you know, it, it's uh, they get to know the teachers, you know, smaller class sizes, there's individual learning and things like that. So, I mean, and that's kind of the model that took off with the uh, state charters and, and the pinnacle family schools, you know, Oceanside is the largest and they're three, a football uh, or three, a sports this year. Uh, the other schools are in two, a, um, but you know, and, and that's about, I think it's about 710 students at Oceanside. Um, 
but you know, and, and that's one of the things that made it so attractive, especially Mount Pleasant, where you have Wando, which is the largest school in three states. And, um, you know, that was just one of the things that, you know, parents loved. It's a small school environment. They felt like they get to know the teachers. Uh, the kids kind of stay in that small area. It's kind of a, you got a little bit of locus of control, you feel like, and you don't feel like a lot of parents didn't feel like their kids get lost. I mean, you, you, I was there for three years and you kind of get to know the kids. You get to know kids that don't even play, you know, the sport that you may coach. You just get to see, you know, the faces because there's so few of them to get to learn. You know, if you're in a school that's got 4,000 people, you know, a lot of people feel like their, their kid gets lost. And um, for these schools, like I said, in that tweet, you know, it just, this may be setting a roadmap for a lot of schools. And, you know, what's to say the difference in Pinewood is that they can stay at private school just like Bishop England. The only difference is they can compete in the high school league. They just can't offer scholarships. So if your athletes come in and pay their own way, then it seems like, you know, they switch it over and become a charter, a state charter. That might work too. Or they could just stay a private school just like Bishop England and uh, just not offer scholarships to athletes, and they can compete in the public school league. And then, like you said, you know, I, I don't want to get beat up. I, I love Coach Seibert to death, but, you know, they're, they're right down the road. They can pull Somerville, Asher Ridge, uh, even some Fort D kids, and uh, up there at Woodland and get some great athletes. And who knows, man, that, that program may be uh, something to deal with when you can, you know, in a sense, just open your doors. While you can't go to those schools and recruit, you can sure have your door open if they want to come knocking and mm. those parents are interested in that smaller environment and, and a chance to play, you know, two, a three, a ball, kind of get the kids on the field, get them some, uh, and have that experience. And that's kind of what makes these right. schools so unique. Well, here's the thing. And being an athlete myself and Eugene, you as well, and all the athletes that are listening, you know, I applaud these schools that are focusing on the athletes, and they're not just focusing on them on the field. They're focused on these guys and girls on the classroom setting as well. If you don't believe me, look at the stats on where Gray finishes, where Oceanside finishes, not just statewide. Look at nationally, where these schools finish nationally in their test scores, where they finish, how many kids they're sending to the appropriate colleges that fit this individual athlete one-on-one. You're seeing it at Pinewood. Of course, you're seeing it there as well. But, but for me, I love this fact because for so long they've had the school of arts and the school of science and the, this and that and the others. But what about the school that focuses on athletes? You know, it is a career, by the way, right? And if you don't believe me, this is breaking news. Uh, I guess about now 15 minutes ago, it looks like the Major League Baseball Players Association has agreed to play a 60-game season. This is according to ESPN's Jeff uh, Fasson, of course. According to ESPN, players have agreed – Report to training camps July 1, according to the uh, Athletics Gym Bounding. July 24th will be the opening day for the 2020 season. The season is expected to end by September 27th. Of course, on the Monday, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred decided to proceed with a 60-game season after the MLBPA rejected another of uh, the owner's proposal. Uh, we can get back into that here a little bit later at 8 o'clock. We have moved Reginald from – 6.30 to 8. He had something come up at the news station, so he'll join us at 8. We'll talk about this, but I hope they keep September. I hope they keep September as the final World Series because I think baseball back in – you're going into November is a long season. It overlaps with, 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 with football, and it's a, it's a tough deal. The reason I think we love football is because it's a short and sweet season. 
We'll talk about that here throughout tonight's show as well. Uh, but uh, that's breaking news. I wanted to kind of get it out. You can find it on our Twitter at SO Sports Central, and the article is now posted on our Facebook at Southern Sports Central. But, again, tonight it is going to be a heavy conversation around the Palmetto State and them unlocking the opportunity and opening the doors for the school of choice at least, right, for the charter schools. Eugene Proper, would that be the right terminology, school of choice, kind of is the theme for now the charter schools around the state here, at least what you said, 12 of those schools around the Palmetto State? Yeah, that that is it, and that was the thing that was argued, and that was the actual uh, what was passed to the state legislature, which typically is the quote-unquote law of the land, was that they wanted to open up a, a school choice. Uh, some people, depending on which side of the political aisle you, you fall on, you may say, well, that means one thing or – you know, that means another, um, and I know Coach Smitty and I, we agree on some of that, and we disagree on some of that, and, you know, we respectfully debate it sometimes, it seems like, and, you know, but the the, uh, the idea was that you would take the choice from your address and give it to the parent, um, because if they felt like an opportunity wasn't uh, great in the classroom or whatever uh, at one zone, or if this school was being mismanaged or or things weren't there or opportunities weren't there, then you could take your child and, and cart them over to the next school. You know, and that originally it was born out of, you know, well, certain schools don't offer certain things, and, and my child blossoms in, in this type of environment. And uh, there was a push on that. <clears throat> um, some, you know, like I said, I don't want really to get into the politics of it, but some of them, uh, some people think it was born out of an idea of, you know, it's cheaper and better efficient if, uh, uh, with the state charters. Um, some people think it's just, you know, uh, better efficiently run by certain things and uh, certain legislatures or you know, don't want to fund, you know, some of the public schools because they, quote, unquote, been been not living up to certain standards or for whatever reason. Um, and, and, you know, there, there's so many angles of that. Uh, like I said, sometimes it just falls on which side of a political aisle you fall on or, Sometimes it's up to an individual household, you know, having, you know, been in a house with for the past 12 years with four kids who are all very different in many different ways. You know, I was a very cut and dry black and white guy, and I I started to become more gray when I started to see that, you know, each kid in that household had different needs, different wants, different right. desires, and different interests. And the school of the arts would have been great for my daughter. She actually applied to the School of the Arts for creative writing and drama and didn't get in, but she got in the academic magnet. And she's, you know, loving it there and very happy that she got in. Uh, my son, who's uh, an engineering student at Academic Magnet, is doing really well, you know, possibly has a chance at Ivy League. You know, the other two kids, you know, they wanted to get a college, uh, high school experience of getting a great education and, and having very uh, competitive sports. You know, and it worked out for, for the oldest, for Gerald. He ended up getting a full scholarship ride to play football. He's getting a great education up in Ohio. He's getting a, a whole new experience. Uh, Ronald come along, and, you know, he never really kind of got the idea of, you know, he never nothing really grabbed him specifically of interest. But, you know, he told me a couple times over the past years, man, you know, in a sense, you know, if I had stayed at Wando, they had different electives, and maybe I could have studied automotive engineering, you know, and things like that just because it was an interest. So you even look at the, the micro um, of your own household, and if you've got several kids, you can't put it – you see, as they get older, you can't even put all your own kids in the same box. 
because they just don't fit in the same box because they all have different interests, desires, uh, competency levels, and things like that. And, you know, Ronald, bless his heart, you know, looks like he's going to head off to the Marines and serve his country. And God bless that kid for that. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a tough row and one of the most honorable professions that, as a United States citizen that you can do is serve in the United States military and even on top of that to serve in the Marine Corps because that has to be one of the toughest uh, branches of the military you can do. And I, I wish that young man success. I love him to death. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I was very black and white. All kids need to have the same rules, do the same thing, toe the same line. And as they get older, and especially when they hit those middle school and puberty years, you learn – they're not the same people, you know. One one's not the same as the other. They may have the same mama and daddy, but God bless them, they're different. <laughs> so, you know, it's, sure. it's kind of the same things with that, man. You you know, you you really got to look at what's best for your own kids. Some people may look at it, well, I like that basketball coach better, so we're gonna pack up our kid and go over there. Some people may look at it and well, that school has a better art program, and you know, I think my child wants to apply to. to Juilliard or some school of the arts, you know, some college for the arts. And so they pack their kid up and ship them over there. You know, it, it, it all boils down to as a parent, you love your children, you support them, you want what's best and you'll do whatever's best for them. You know, and if it's one of those parents that thinks that, you know, my kid will have a better chance at a college scholarship if they go play at, at Dutch Fork, it's really, you know, I, I can't deny that because I look out for my children and I try to do what's best for them. So, you know, I, I'm not going to hate it on a parent for trying to do the best thing for their kid. If that leads to a four-year full ride for their kid to go play at Dutch Fork, so be it. Because at the end of the day, uh, all I've ever cared about really is the kids, whether it's my own or uh, the kids that I coach. It's You know, as a Carolina fan, I had a kid that wanted to go to Clemson camp for three days. You know, I took the kid to Clemson camp for three days. And uh, I was blown away. I was super impressed, and I want to go back. So, you know, I, I'm not closed-minded anymore when it comes to that. Well, I'll tell you what, it's an interesting conversation, and the debate will continue. As hour one is done, we're going to head to hour two, and we will begin hour two with the uh, coach who uh, kind of spearheads this whole thing over there at the Pinnacle Charter Academy. The, the one and only Todd Helm will join us at 7 o'clock. If you just joined us, baseball is coming back. Finally, uh, there will be some uh, some baseball going on, some conversation as uh, we just uh, released that information about five minutes ago. You can find it on our Twitter page at SO Sports Central also on uh, at SO Sports Central. Then you can find us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. Got to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk with uh, Coach Todd Helm as uh, Pinnacle. Boy, have they not gotten the best news of 2020. I tell you what, we'll be right back. You're listening to the greatest show right here on Blog Talk Radio. This is Southern Sports Central. Play ball! <laughs> This town ain't small, it's a little of both, they say. Our ball club may be minor league, but at least it's triple A. We sit below the Marlboro Man, above the Rockville walls. We do the wave all by ourselves. Hey, up a blind man could have made that call. We like our beer flat as candy. We like our dogs with mustard and relish. We got a great picture, what's his name? Well, we can't even spell it. We don't 
like to see the boys hit it deep. There's nothing like the view from the chief. Welcome back, everybody. Hour one is done. Hour two now, of course, upon us here as you're coming to you live from Somerville, South Carolina, from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios. I'm Rich Yellow alongside well, the coach, Eugene Benton, talking about the news that came out yesterday, allowing uh, the 12 charter schools around the Palmetto State the opportunity to open their doors to anybody in the state of South Carolina athletically or just in general uh, that they want to come and drive and, and drop their kids off, or maybe their kids want to drive into the parking lot and park and come on into class, that's an opportunity now. Prior to that, that wasn't the opportunity, and a ruling that kind of came out uh, earlier uh, in between uh, the end of the season last year, the 2019 football season, and, of course, up until yesterday, 
there was a, it was a kind of a different attitude. It was a different look. It made it a little bit tougher on these charter schools. But boy, uh, when the information came out yesterday, uh, joy around the world for those 12 schools uh, that benefited from this conversation. Again, uh, and, and you wonder how many, and we talk football a lot here, but there are other sports that these charter schools provide really incredible athletes, soccer, baseball, basketball. Those are just a few other than football. And there's probably a few more throughout the state, throughout these charter schools that they specialize in. Uh, and again, before we went out of hour one, you know, there's a, another private school here, right, that is, is known for basketball other than the school up here in, in the Somerville area, right? And uh, when, when you look at it, they, they don't specialize in the basketball, but, boy, what they put together, and uh, Porter Gout is that school I'm talking about, they constantly put guys in, in, in college and, and take them to the opportunities. Uh, that, that are given to them because they benefit from the specialized education, the specialized training that's happening, uh, and, and you look at it. Bishop England has, uh, man, I mean, you're talking about a, a soccer team, man. Those girls, that's all they do is, is win state championships in soccer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and they've got some of the fellows over there that are also doing great things. But, you know, this, again, uh, the reason that I kind of enjoy the charter school format for, for what it's worth is because it is a college environment. It, it comes in two shifts, right? And, Eugene, you know a lot more about this than I do because you had two boys that, that went through the system. For football, they come in the morning, and then they practice in the afternoon. For soccer, from what I understand, they are the afternoon guys. They come in the afternoon and practice in the morning, and, and that's kind of done throughout the year, Eugene. Is that how it works over there? Yeah, so, well, it depends because – I'll give you an example for um, my starting kicker last year, uh, Chris Haynes. So he was a football in the fall and soccer in the spring. So in the fall, he would come into morning classes, uh, get to school at 720. Uh, His day was over in the classroom. Now I'm going to say that in the classroom, that does not mean his academic day is over. Uh, But he was done at around 1140, have a lunch break, uh, come back into uh, weightlifting, film study, uh, and then hit the practice field. The day's over around 445-ish um, and, and like that. Now, when they switch over in some of the sports that are uh, – and basketball is in the fall, uh, which means morning classes, so it's football, basketball, uh, cheer, um, volleyball uh, are in the fall. I'm trying to think of their others. Uh, then in the the, the morning – Practice guys are the lacrosse, uh, soccer, um, uh, cross country. I'm trying to think of some others. Uh, swim, because uh, that's another sport that you know. A couple other sports that I know uh, Ocean's has been super competitive in uh, and won state titles in swimming and lacrosse. Uh, so those were typically the afternoon. Um, a lot of it, and the other thing, the other misconception, just to clear that up, is that um, you don't have to play any sport. Come to Oceanside, um, as well as any of the other state charters, you don't have to play a sport. Um, but most of those uh, students do come in the afternoon session, meaning, you know, they do other things in the morning session, then come in the afternoon. Uh, so that's kind of the model. And you got the same building so that you still have the smaller classrooms where it's 710 kids. If you think about it, it's kind of split down the middle. So the building during the day, during classroom time, actually has about half that size. 
and it's not a perfect half, but it's close to it. Um, the principal, you know, divides it up based on which sport you play. You know, that has to do with practice facilities and things like that. So that's kind of the model for, for some of the pinnacle schools. Um, I'm not sure about Bishop England. Uh, they're a private school that competes in the charter league, I mean, in the high school league with the uh, public charters. But uh, that's kind of the way Oceanside has done it. You know, and again, you, you, when you look at these schools and you kind of see how things are put together, uh, you know, I, I like that aspect because, you know, Eugene, you mentioned Wando, you got Somerville, you've got Dorman, and I mentioned them probably the three largest schools here in the state of South Carolina. But of course, Fort Norchester is right there, Ashley Ridge is right there, uh, here locally, uh, where they have a capacity full of, of kids all around, and, uh, and they do a great job. Okay, they do a great job specializing in education. They do a great job in, uh, in, in making sure that these young students, again, student athletes, uh, get the education they need and then get the workout they need. But it's just a different format. You know, it's a different format at these charter schools. They allow them to kind of get into, you know, I remember that was the, one of the hard things for me. Uh, you know, I couldn't, you know, I, I, there were some adjustments for me, you know, from going into and going into a, a large university, you know, there was that, that, that change of you got up early. It was definitely a job, but you, you had to get your body used to it. Well, they're already getting these young men and women ready for it. Again, they're preparing them uh, for what they are going to college to do. It's no different than, than say, an engineer, a kid that, that wants to be an engineer. Well, he needs to be doing engineer things to prepare him to go to Georgia Tech, to go to Clemson, to go to Purdue, to wherever and he or she wants to go, right? So you they, you look at these charter schools, and, and they're doing that as well. But, again, I can't emphasize enough the, the this test scores that have come back from these charter schools that I can't speak on all 12, but I can speak on two or three of them. And I can tell you that statistically they're not only ranked in the state, they're ranked, Eugene, in the nation. That's correct. And I think um, this past year uh, Oceanside was number six in the state. Uh, and that's behind like an academic magnet, um, School of the Arts, you know, which are two uh, elite schools. And, uh, I, you know, Wando is up there. Um, one of the, the, I think Nations Ford was up there. Um, but yeah, so it came back as I believe, and I'm, don't quote me, I think it was number six in the state. Um, but, you know, and, and what you were talking about with preparing kids, you know, that was also early on when I got involved with Oceanside three years ago was, you know, one of the things that was said was it's not college prep, it's college. You know, and I was talking right. on Gamecock Central with some guys earlier, and I said, you know, a, a great friend of mine, uh, kid or, or child, and a kid that was like one of my own, he graduated from Oceanside last year, played baseball, uh, has a, had a chance to at least try out for Clemson. He also had some scholarship money to another school in North Carolina. You know, when he graduated high school, he had 53 college credits or 53 hours. You know, and, and if you, you know, you and I went to college, we both graduated from Carolina. When you're coming in as a, as what would have been your freshman year with 53 hours, you're going into your mm. junior year. You know, that's two years of college that you got for free. And then on top of that, there's all these other advantages, man. You, you know, you get the better dorms. You get to register for classes earlier. There's so many of these, like, little things. You know, your your financial package changes with what you can either get or, or need to loan, all based on these credits. And you're halfway there nearly 
when you first start out. So if you have to pay for four years of college or two years of college to get that four-year degree, you know, what, what are you going to choose? And that's another thing that just you know, really sells these schools when it comes back to school choice. If you can get your first two years of college for free, it seems like, you know, it's, it's almost like a no-brainer. Now, not every school can offer right. that. That's right. why, you know, again, if there's a way to create something new, you know, it's no different than an entrepreneur or, or a business leader or somebody in tech. You know, somebody's going to develop the next, you know, the new iPhone and, and or, or a new device, something like it. Of course they're going to do that because there's a demand for it. Everybody wants something new, especially if it's either going to save them money, put them in a better opportunity to compete with their peers, or, or put them ahead, give them some type of an advantage. And of course, why not? Would you, why wouldn't you want that for your child uh, as a parent? And if you're a student, you know you're like, well, I can go there. I can get some college credits. I can play, you know, a, a sport, or I can do this, that, the other, you know. And just you know, it's just like I said in my thing. You're creating the experience, the learning, and the as I put in big capital letters, it's opportunity. And uh, that's kind of what it is. And like I said, you know, the model was it's not college prep, it's college. So when they're graduating and going into, you know, right at their junior year of college, starting out as a, you know, 18-year-old, that's a tough, tough thing to beat. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, again, we're going to continue this conversation uh, throughout tonight. And if you would like to weigh in, maybe you're more the public school side of things, and you want to kind of weigh in your thoughts where you have a different opinion on, on, on this whole concept of what's going on, or maybe you – just think that at the end of the day, this is the way that the state of South Carolina is probably going to go going forward. Again, nobody's got that crystal ball. Nobody knows. Because I don't know really, honestly, it, it, other than Coach Schmidt, I'm going to give him some love and some, uh, some, some of that a boy, because he did call this uh, about uh, two months ago, I believe. And um, for that to be said, uh, what, what kind of way out? And, again, I may get a few other coaches in here from the public schools, because I, I want to hear some of the other sides, and I understand it. Uh, you know, maybe I'll reach out to the Andrews coach. I know he's kind of got a uh, heavy heart in this conversation as well. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll get in there and see what he has to say about this if he has a few minutes. Uh, but we are going to change the gears for about the next 15 minutes because at 7:30 we will hear from uh, Coach Smitty. He's going to join us. Uh, it says Groovyville, but I think he's actually in Manning. But, but nevertheless, he is the athletic director and the head football coach at CU Murray. Uh, but, but but quickly, you know, as you see COVID-19. It is still a, a very heavy conversation, and uh, it's hitting campuses across the country. Uh, another school has closed their campus amid the concerns of COVID-19, and that's Boise State. So now Boise State, uh, you know, starts to kind of um, kind of put things in perspective. And uh, w- when you put this all in order, uh, Eugene, let, let me ask you this thoughts because here's the thing. Well, we understand there's a lot of schools, uh, LSU, they've just put a billboard up today in, 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 of course, Louisiana saying, hey, let's do our part, let's wear masks. Kind of ironic that they just had 32-plus players uh, test positive for this situation. Uh, of course, over at Clemson, they've got a few. I'm sure uh, there's a handful of campuses that are dealing with this situation right now. But, but what are the chances of, and again, if you were sleeping and you didn't hear, uh, Paul Fonbon says, he doesn't believe there's going to be a college football season this year at all. Now, I don't think that's the answer. I think that they, because it's not a calendar, uh, it's a college season, that they can actually do this season in January. They could actually start it when usually the, the bowl games are kind of getting running at their best and 
early January and play this thing till March. And I think they'd be just as fine, three months from January to March, and then do a bowl game if need be, and, and, and should be, and definitely a championship. That's, you know, the best of the eight, maybe we can have a chance to get that done. But all kidding aside or all, all wish list aside, Eugene, I, I think they can still do that where they put college football, if not early, back towards into January again, you know, uh, to cancel the entire season. I, I don't see it right now, uh, you know, they're the realistic that that would happen with all the options that they really have available to them. And we've actually drifted further into January, man. If you remember back when you and I were in high school and, and heck, when we started college, you know, the last bowl games were on January 1. Now we've right. got games on January 5 and a national championship around the 14th. And, you know, even even I remember uh, the, the NFL. NFL used to be over in January. And then they drifted into February. And now we're looking at the second week of February. And, you know, who's to say that the NFL really is going to start on time anyway? You know, if college football starts a week or or so later and they just push, move everything back a week and then, you know, that gets extended a week and then the NFL does the same thing, you know, so be it. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens because I I know that just I haven't had a chance to to hit it on the hit the button yet. But, you know, they're talking about starting the NBA season and, uh, there's a player for the Nuggets who's stuck in his home country because he just tested positive uh, for COVID, and so he's not allowed to enter the, the U.S. And uh, it's one of the uh, big players, one of the foreign players for the Nuggets. And so, you know, I mean, right. whether they start on time, you know, not on time, but, you know, for the delayed time, that's yet to be seen uh, with stuff like that. And, um, you know, I, I really feel like the uh, – I really feel like football is going to go on time. Um, the the beauty of the athletes, for the for the most part, is that the athletes themselves, the college players and the NFL players, are of the health. Um, you know, I can't say that because I, I don't I don't know. There might be some players with type one diabetes or something like that. But for the most part, uh, these guys are in the top of their you know, uh, or the peak of their healthiness. They're in the right age frame. Um, and so keeping them secluded would be my advice. You know, like the Clemson players, you know, with the LSU players, man, I, I love the Tigers. And, you know, here they are. They all go out to a club or whatnot or whatever was hmm. was said that they were up to and they came back, you know, testing positive. You know, that might be the key was to get everybody in, keep them clean, and, you know, keep them separated out from, from the general population. You know, it, it might be type of a, a, a campus or a athletic facility in dorm confinement, you know, where they're not allowed to go out and food is brought in and, and things are, are kept under wraps. And I think if you do that, you know, those athletes will be good to go. And, you know, there may not be fans in the stands, but, you know, there's there's always these TV cameras set up around the stadium that, Aren't, aren't on the field or close enough to the athletes. So I really feel like college and uh, NFL are going to be a go. And I, I'm an optimist, but I just feel like there's enough resources. And that's something that Coach Smitty alluded to, you know, w- with the Clemsons and the Alabamas of the world, even the NFL teams, you know, they have enough resources that they can do things like that. High school teams just don't have it. And um, right. So that's why I think, we have a better chance of seeing a college and an NFL season uh, of anything for when it comes to football. But I think it's disheartening when you see LSU. LSU takes their, their, their whole reason 
of, of these athletes, from my understanding, them going to college is to monitor and isolate these young men and get them core team and get them in check, get them ready to held to some accountability and, and how these young men, again, I understand it's hard to keep them all in. They're so crazy. They've been so crazy from where they've been at, but we got to figure something out because to me, it, it's, I don't want to use the word of, of lack of institutional control. I don't know the right actual words here, but there's no reason that that many young men went out and came back supposedly right in Louisiana now and had over 30 different individuals test positive. Now, Kansas State also is part of this conversation. And, again, you know, high school, a whole new conversation. We're going to get into that with Coach Smitty, but we're going to talk college as we course. You know, get a little closer to September and what should be the start of that 2020 college football season. You know, COVID-19, you know, they all said the heat was going to kill it. Oh, it's hot. It's hot out here, trust me. Uh, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, humidity is coming up through the ground this time of year. And uh, it's making up for all the cooler days, the last three or four days here. Uh, but as cases, again, here rise in many states, particularly here in the southeast, you know, there are some growing concerns about college football season, especially, you know, as the players across the country continue to test positive. Uh, what was it up on the uh, Get Up on Friday? The SEC Network's host, Paul Feinbaum, had said he had heard more negativity about the 2020 season this week than he has since April. Now, I'm going to give you some stuff here from, uh, from Paul Feinbaum, and he goes on to say, I've gone uh, incredibly positive to pause because it's too early and we don't know yet. Paul Bonbon continues to say, I'm hearing more gloom and doom this week than I've heard in weeks since early mid-April. Now, nobody is saying it and nobody wants to say it because if you say college football season is doubtful, the thought police could come after you for disregarding a national opening and uh, a nation opening, excuse me, but privately, Many people are starting to doubt where we are. He goes on to say, I think college football is even more difficult than the NFL. There's nowhere to go be in a bubble. You have programs all over the country with different economic situations and testing protocols. I think even if we get into the season, you will see teams that will not play or will not have a full season. It's going to be a jigsaw puzzle of epic proportion, in quotation. Again, that's Paul Feinbaum talking about coming 2020 season. There's still time, of course, uh, before the final decisions have to be made in this season. Uh, but we've already seen a couple of games canceled, trips uh, abroad, moved to campus locations, and we'll see what happens moving forward. But uh, it doesn't right now, again, from the outside in or, or from where we're sitting here, it doesn't look good because they should have control of these young men. That's why they are in the hands of the campus. You know, I know Tennessee, not only can they recruit really well, and why I think they're a sleeper, if there's a season, to surprise some teams and possibly have some some national conversation. Man, I got to tell you what, uh, again, this guy is hitting a home run too because I don't think they've got any numbers of uh, of anybody. And, and Eugene, uh, South Carolina, the Gamecocks, uh, I haven't heard anything about them. And, and Will Muschamp, it sounds like they've gotten their control. Have you seen any numbers or any names come out of Columbia when it comes to the Gamecocks and testing positive? I have not. And uh, there's another school I was going to mention, but, you know, uh, two schools I was going to mention. Um, I was at Ohio State uh, the day that the kids, the players were coming back to campus. Uh, before they were – uh, came in through the, the football facility to put in their stuff. 
because um, we were scheduled to, or, or we were hoping to meet with one of the kickers who is traveling from Buffalo. Uh, they were tested. Uh, temperature was tested, this, that, and the other was tested. And then they were still, the next day, the, the coaches kind of still held them off a little bit from, from getting together. Um, and then I haven't heard a word from them. But a school that I was going to bring up, when you want to talk about control of the athlete, to me, the litmus test of college programs is going to be Alabama. Because you know as well as I do, saving controls everything. If that man can control a virus, it'll be controlled. He's the guy that, you know, if there were some national problems and you needed some guy to step in and, and you know, uh, can take control of the situation, he might be a guy I'd look at or consult with. I will be surprised. And I am very curious to see what goes on in Alabama because I have, you know, talked to athletes who've played there. You know, for the most part, they a lot of them have left Alabama and felt like they didn't really get a lot of the college experience. They just didn't congregate with other students on the campus. They had very, you know, a lot of their classes were even taught inside some of the uh, the, the football facility buildings. And, you know, for the most part, they, they just were very secluded. And I think uh, right. even more so now – even more so now, I don't think he's going to take the chance. You know, this this guy loves winning, and he's got these, you know, future multimillionaires, you know, at his hand. And he has more, you know, he and Clemson, really, but he has more four and five stars than anybody in the country. You're in, you're out. Right. He's a control freak. He's a controlling person. So, I, to me, right. that's going to be the litmus test is if Alabama shows up with something. Yeah, maybe so. I, I think there's I, – I do agree Nick Saban has a control freak issue, and that's cool, but I think there's a lot of coaches out there like that. And, of course, you know, Jeremy Pruitt is a descent of, of, of that, of the same uh, young man we're talking about now because he was there at Alabama. Uh, Tuscaloosa's mayor, you mentioned Tuscaloosa, says the loss of Alabama's football season to the COVID-19 could be catastrophic. Let's think about the big picture of some of these universities and how much they impact the communities in the towns, and the financial stability. I've spent a lot of time in Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, excuse me, uh, in the last couple of years, a year and a half, and I'm going to tell you something. Nick Saban has literally rebuilt that city, okay? He ought to have about every road named after him because I can promise you the roadways updated. Everything, if it looks to be condemned, it's tearing down. It is everything that you could imagine, and the Tuscaloosa mayor, by the way, is uh, Walt Maddox. He hoped for the best but continue to prepare for the question still lingering about whether the University of Alabama will have a football season here in 2020. Mayor uh, Maddox said Tuscaloosa would lose over $600 million a week while Alabama's campus was closed due to the COVID-19 uh, situation or pandemic. He goes on to say if uh, the football season didn't happen, it could financially be devastating to the entire city and uh, the state of Alabama. Cell owner being able to pay his bills or her employees. It's about the restaurant being able to pay their small business loan. It's about the family trying to make their mortgage payments. It's more than just a game. Maddox goes on to say again, this is the mayor of, uh, of Alabama. According to the University of Alabama, the economic impact on Tuscaloosa metro area projected at nearly $2 billion for the 2015-16 fiscal year. So football generates right about one. Seven five point five million of those funds. So again, you, you look at that. You look at, of course, Clemson. Clemson does a huge. I don't have the numbers for the Tigers, but I can promise you they rely heavily on it. Look at Athens. Look at what they bring to the table. Again, Alabama doesn't have an NFL team. They don't have another avenue 
to a pro sport within their state. LSU, the same thing. I would imagine Baton Rouge, Louisiana, not having the Tigers in town playing football on, on Saturday nights or Thursday nights as they sell it out and basically shake the state like an earthquake. Man, could you imagine the economic part of what this epidemic is going to do? And we've seen this. And you can relate it all the way back here to our state of South Carolina when we had a hurricane come through last year in, what was it, September, shut us down for about three weeks. There were still business trying to overcome that situation coming in to the holiday season. Come out of the holiday season, and you're trying to get your breath as here comes COVID-19, and it seems like it's got a stronghold on not just football, sports, but the entire uh, area. Here locally, we've seen uh, Sticky Fingers. They were gonna, uh, their uh, franchise or, or their restaurants have shut down as well. I went by earlier on my way back in from out of town, went by Ryan's Steakhouse. Now, it's a buffet, but they're done. Golden Corral, they're done. So this thing is going to have a lot larger effect, COVID-19, than, of course, just our athletics and, and things like that. But we're seeing it happen, of course, all around. we got to take a break because when we come back, we're going to head somewhere, and we're going to catch up with Brian Smith. Of course, it's Coach Smitty to you and me, as he is the head football coach and the athletic director over there at C.E. Murray. Guys, you're listening to Southern Sports Central. We'll be right back, guys. Don't go anywhere. You're on the couch, blowing up my phone. You don't want to come out, but you don't want to be alone. It don't take but two to have a little soiree. If you're in the mood, sit tight right where you are, babe. Because I'll be at your door in ten minutes. Whatever you got on, girl, stay in it. You ain't got to leave the house to have a good time. I'm going to bring the good time home to you. We'll have a Good time, I'm gonna bring a good time home to you. We'll have a house party, we don't need nobody. Turn your 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elman, alongside the coach Eugene Benton, coming to you live from Somerville, South Carolina, from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studio. This segment brought to you by our friends over at the Tent Farm, where they're throwing some shade during these summer days here in the Low Country. You can find them at 7634 South Railroad over in North Charleston. You can reach out to Jonathan Farmer and the guys at 843-297-4131, and you can find them over there on the World Wide Web at tentfarm.com. We got not one, but two guests coming in right now, and uh, boy, we've got a public figure and a charter figure, and it's going to be a fun one here, but I'll bring in, uh, of course, uh, Coach Smitty. I'm going to say good evening to you first, because uh, we also have uh, Mr. Helms with us as well, but uh, Coach Smitty, what's up, buddy? What's up? How's it going, guys? We're good. We're good, and uh, Coach Helms, you're with us as well, coming to us uh, from uh, a remote location as well. Uh, Coach Helms, thanks for joining us tonight. Guys, uh, glad to be with you, man. And, uh, yeah, we're on vacation down in Siesta Key, Florida, and I apologize that uh, we got delayed a little bit on a little boat ride and to get back till late, but glad to be with you. Man, I tell you what, you're taking time away to be on the show on vacation, man. That's a lot of love on your end. Of course, uh, Coach Smitty, I know you're uh, doing some uh, some fun things uh, in Greeleyville. I'm going to leave it at that as uh, Eugene has some fun with me on Twitter. But, uh uh, first of all, back to you, Coach Helms. Congratulations. I know your son checked in at Clemson. Uh, you know, Greg Allegiant putting a quarterback over there with the Tigers. That's, that's a pretty big uh, check mark, if you know what I mean, when it comes to that school over there, Greg, huh? Well, we've had the uh, last five or six years, we've been real fortunate to have a kid uh, go D1 every year in football. And, uh, of course, this past year we had two. We had uh, O.D. Dallas and the great slot receiver that, that we had uh, this past year is down at South Florida with Jeff Scott. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, Hunter Helms, our quarterback, uh, ended up signing with Clemson, and uh, he reported up there uh, actually Sunday. So I know he's uh, kind of getting acclimated and actually starts classes tomorrow. No doubt about it. Excited for all those guys who uh, have made it to campuses. As uh, hard to believe, two, three weeks ago, they were high school students. Here they are, college athletes uh, here waking up this morning. Now, uh, Coach Helms, we'll start with you on this. The big news for the charter schools in the state of South Carolina. I believe 12 of them. You have a handful of them in your hands over there with Pinnacle Charter Academy. Uh, tell us, man, coming from you, what was it like? And uh, kind of give us uh, from your eyesight, from the bird seat that you sit in, what's this mean for the charter schools going forward? Well, I, I think it's uh, not just charter schools, private schools, and small schools, but I, it's really a win for kids, period, guys, because, you know, it's a win for kids. It's a win for school choice. It's a win for parents that want to make the decision on what's best for their kid. So, uh, so we're just real excited about it. And really, you know, we weren't trying to change anything. We just felt like the, the rules as they were uh, before they uh, put the amendments in that we thought were discriminatory, uh, especially toward smaller schools and not just private and, and charter, but, but the 1A and 2A schools, it would affect them the same way it you know, would have affected us. 
And uh, but we're just real excited that uh, two judges and the attorney general of the state of South Carolina seem to agree with uh, with our side at this point. Like I said, it's not over. That was just an injunction to keep things the same for this next school year. And I'm sure that uh, that fight will continue. But but we're excited with where it is right now. We're live right now coming to us from the state of Florida. He represents uh, the Pinnacle Charter Academy, and uh, that's Coach Todd Helms. Now we go over to Coach Smitty, who is an athletic director and a head football coach for the public schools. Now, Coach Smitty, you predicted this about three months ago here on the same show, Coach. Uh, come to us from the public side of life. When you heard this come out yesterday, and, and what do you think this means for our state when it comes to the public schools? Uh, where do you see this leading us to? Well, I do uh, think it's going to lead us to, uh, again, like I said before, the state legislature has made it known they want some type of school choice to take place. Um, And, again, I I predicted they would win this battle because, like uh, Mr. Helm said, you can't discriminate by any means, and that – part of the law that they fought was actually, you know, again, if you have any educational background, when I say education, I don't mean education. I mean, you studied education for a major, master's. You would know the charter school system is different than public school system. And the charter school system, um, you can't pigeonhole into a public school system and say, and, and in my view, they don't have a jurisdiction or district lines, and they shouldn't because they're a charter school. And, again, we fought this battle way back in uh, Massachusetts 30 years ago and in other states a long time ago, and the same result happened. So, um, now, some states chose to do it differently, Texas and others, and, and different states chose to put those schools into their own classification. And, um, you know, I, I think the state could have done that and had a better chance of it succeeding than uh, trying to discriminate and, and pigeonhole them into a, you can't pull anybody out of this district, that district. None of that applies to charter schools. Um, so they were dead wrong on that part. Um, although I don't like the whole school choice deal. I think it kills community schools and and I think it goes back to systemic uh, issues with school funding in our state. Um, I, I don't think it's a good deal that we don't properly fund our schools and instead try to find ulterior motives to push school choice and take kids away from their communities and uh, instead of properly funding those schools. But at the same time, school choice is here to stay. I don't think it's going away, so you either got to adapt or, or, or you get left behind. So, uh They've made it known. They've um, made it known in the court of law now that school choice is going to happen. So, again, you got to adapt or you're going to get left behind. No doubt about it. Coach Holmes, let me come back to you and ask you, kind of break down the rules of how this works out because of the fact that now, if I'm not mistaken, you say there's a young man that lives down the road, and it could be in maybe another county. Can he or she, because this isn't just for football, this is for all the sports, and, and them being allowed to come into the school, can they drive an hour and a half away and, 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 and enroll in this school and be a part of this program? Well, basically, it just goes back to the rules that have been in place for the last four to five years, and that's where any freshman at any school, not just public or charter, uh, at Coach Smitty's school there, any freshman that steps foot 
and that school day one sets his his or her eligibility you know right then so uh that's basically for right now staying the same the other thing that that we we felt like was hurting kids is is uh if if you if you come for an academic or otherwise reason, you want to be at a smaller school, whatever the reason that parent chooses. If 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 you're a sophomore, or junior, uh, you couldn't even play JV, and we we weren't sitting there fighting for somebody to try to play varsity that doesn't live in that zone. We just felt like they needed to go back to the rules the way they were, and, uh, and that's where we are now. So so again, if you're a freshman and you start school day one. That's where you're gonna set your eligibility. If you're a uh, upperclassman that you know hadn't made a bona fide move into the area, you're gonna to have to still sit out varsity play for 365 days. But if you're a uh, uh, a tenth grader or eleventh grader, you could play JV. Obviously, a, a senior it won't happen either way because you still gotta sit out 365 days if you don't make a bona fide move. And uh, and the other thing I like to mention too, a lot of people forget, is that uh, charter schools in South Carolina are public. So so we are a public charter school and our kids are public school kids they're not private school kids even though again a lot of those private schools that are in the high school league uh that joined us like bishop england christ church and st joe's and uh, south side christian and all you know are private but again our kids are public school kids now coach Helms, let me ask you this we talked about this just earlier uh during uh, i believe hour number one locally there is a high school here uh, with James Island, they are a charter school, but they're a charter school with Charleston County. Could this be an opportunity for them, or maybe like a Pinewood, who is a Skiza school, and you know that's a different league here, but it's part of the high school uh, format there. Could one of these schools, could they apply, and how does that go about getting, I guess, under the umbrella that you guys are in and the 12 schools that they just got uh, this, this, I guess, uh, handed out um, reward and award here that, that allows them to kind of keep things as they are? Well, obviously, Pinewood Prep is a private school that's uh, part of Skeezer. So, obviously, if they if they were looking, I think if if I know what you just asked, uh, if they were looking to to switch to a charter school, uh, they would have to go through a lot of things. It would probably take them over a year to go through that process and 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 flip to being a charter. So, uh, that's that's a kind of a longer process. As far as James Island, I mean, they they're already a charter school, so. Um, they they have the same rights and benefits as any other you know public school or a public charter or private school now that's a member of the high school league. We all you know basically play by the same rules. Uh, you know again if a kid doesn't live in that zone because we still do even though and that's the big other big question that really hasn't come about is you know we don't have feeder schools we don't have middle schools we don't have feeder programs so we're a ninth through twelfth grade high school but. But our schools are part of a statewide school district. So academically, any kid can come from anywhere as long as they can get to that school, if they want to drive there each day. And some kids at Gray, you know, we've got kids driving an hour one way because they want to come to that school because it's a high academic school and they want to get two free years of college. And so, uh, right. but, but again, athletically, we, we have a zone. I know the zone for, for Oceanside and Mount Pleasant is the same zone as Wando. Uh, for for Gray Collegiate Academy, it's the same zone as Lexington School District Two, which is Brooklyn Casey and Airport, and then up in uh, Legion and Rock Hill, it's uh, Rock Hill District Three. So it's the same zone as Rock Hill High, um, you know, uh, South uh, Point and Northwestern. But actually, where where uh, Legion is going to be, our new facility, which is being finished now, uh, is actually in the South Excuse me zone, and that's where their kids would have to live if, if they're making a bona fide move into the area. And again, if not. If you don't come as a freshman, 
you come as an upper class, but you still got to sit out of varsity play for 365 days, and nobody's arguing that. Right, right, and and, and that's I'm glad you. I appreciate you clarifying that. And, and again, I just want to make sure because Eugene and I were talking about this. So with this new, I, I guess, order that was handed out, are you saying that James Island is part of this Oceanside, Great Collegiate, and all these other charter schools? They now fall under that same rule, even though they're in Charleston County, but because they are a charter school, they are under that umbrella. Well, again, every everybody falls under those rules. So, so not just us, right. but all public schools, charters, and private. So, so uh, um, the the thing I will tell you this: I know that Charleston County was on the verge of joining the lawsuit with us, and I and I'm no lawyer. I'm just an old football coach, but I, I I've never really understood uh, what the high school league did there, and they basically went back to Charleston County and said, hey, we don't want you joining that lawsuit. So we're basically going to exempt Charleston County from these same rules. So basically you guys get to play by a different set of rules than the rest of the whole state. I didn't understand that. I didn't think that helped their cause. Right. And they do. They are a school of choice uh, in Charleston County, and, and you guys can go look that stuff up on your own. Uh, but that is – uh, I can tell you that you, they have the ability to go wherever they want to go. Uh, so that Charleston County is a part of that conversation as well. Uh, when you look at it now, before I get you out of here, and I don't want to hold you because you're on vacation, uh, and again, uh, we're live right now with Coach Helms, who's coming to us from vacation down in Florida. He gets some of the best news of 2020 just delivered to him yesterday uh, with uh, the schools able to kind of keep things going in the right direction. Not only do you do it on the football field and every other sports academic, tell us about it because here's the thing. Not only do you guys win football games, but you guys are winning championships across the state and, and, and playing for championships. We talked about this a little bit last night uh, just on the phone, but uh, Coach, tell us a little bit about the success and, and start with the uh, the classroom first and then head over to the uh, the, uh, the athletic forum. Well, we've been real real blessed with some great leaders as far as principals, administrators, and the teachers that we hire. Obviously, we've hired a lot of great coaches as well, but uh, this past uh, year and actually subsequent years that we've been around, all of our schools have been rated excellent academically, and so if you're if you're an educator, you know what that means. Uh, I know in Columbia there was only five schools, uh, high schools that is, that uh, got excellent on the report card from the State Department, and Great Collegiate Academy was one of them. So, so academically, we're excellent schools. Uh, uh, we only have two. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. We only have two tracks academically. We have honors and we have real college. So if you're not either a really good student or a really hard worker, academically, you're not going to make it at one of our schools. And typically when some kids come and uh, that, that aren't one of those two academically, they, they don't stay. And uh, so you've got to, again, be a pretty bright kid to begin with or an extremely hard worker, or you're just not going to cut that rigor because it's a much higher academic rigor. So again, we have honors and we have real college. We don't have general ed. We don't have college prep. We have honors in real college. Uh, real successful um, six years now at Great Collegiate, four years at Oceanside. Uh, now, Legion just finished year one, but uh, uh, they, they weren't uh, able to participate in any uh, you know, postseason uh, this past year because it was their first year. Next year, they're in a region, so they will be able to participate. But in six years at Gray, uh, four years at Oceanside, uh, we won in various sports. We've won 10 state championships. I believe we've uh, been runner-up 12 times. So we've had a lot of success, and, and I, I apply that to all the great coaches that we've hired that do an extremely good job in, uh, in uh, developing those kids because I'll be honest with you, outside of maybe basketball at Gray, who's won three state championships in basketball, uh, and I know Deion Bethea, a lot of great kids want to play for that guy. 
But most of our coaches everywhere else, they're, they're getting second and third teamers coming in that want to play and participate. Kids are sitting bench somewhere else, but they're coming in and developing those kids. And uh, But we've been really successful there uh, athletically as well. Right, no doubt about it. We're live right now with uh, Todd Helms. He is with the Pinnacle Charter uh, Academy across the state of South Carolina. They just were awarded uh, a very uh, nice gift from the uh, from the law firm, of course, across the, uh, the state, allowing them to do things as they were doing things. Again, not the case a couple of months ago. They uh, were given a, a black cloud over them, but it looks like they cleared that up and uh, the umbrellas are put away and they are seeing sunnier days around the state of South Carolina. Uh, Coach Helms, not only do you guys take athletes, and I've watched it at Oceanside when Coach Greer was there, and, and again, they're not starting at the high schools they were at, but they come here at Oceanside, they go to Gray, and, and they become not only starters, they become standouts. But also, the coaching is a little bit tougher. It's a little bit harder because of the coaching and the teaching on public schools. The, the layout's not the same at a, at a place like Oceanside or Gray because that, the format's a little bit different, so it's almost a volunteer effort to come in and if you can talk a little bit about the dedication from a coach because it is a different layout than it is at the uh i would say a, a 5a 4a school in the public area well you know our teachers teach coaches coach so we have you know there's always exceptions to every rule for example i know coach icy at uh at uh gray in columbia is a social studies teacher and he's a soccer coach but uh, and there's some exceptions but for the most part our teachers teach our coaches coach and uh, so we don't go down the hall, and that's, that's a big difference from us. We don't go down the hall and ask a, a uh, social study teacher that doesn't know a whole lot about uh, softball to be the softball coach just because we need a softball coach. We go out in that community, and we try to find the very best softball coach, try to find the very best volleyball coach. And quite honestly, outside of football, which is kind of a unique deal within itself, but outside of football, most of those best basketball, volleyball coaches, softball, baseball coaches, they're club coaches. They're either AAU or club coaches, and uh, and they do a great job. They're winning championships at that level. And and when we start asking people in a community where we're starting a school, you know, who's the best basketball coach? We make those lists, and we go we try to hire that person, you know. And uh, so so we we hire great coaches. I mean, it, it, you know, people ask us how we do or what we're doing. I mean, that's that's really it. We hire great coaches, and uh, and I give them all the credit. And those coaches do a super job. Developing talent and take some of these second, third teamers that have you know been sitting the bench elsewhere and uh, and really developing those kids and, uh, and and we've just been real fortunate to have a lot of success with that. So, but but the the other part, uh, you know, some people think it's totally different. You know, our kids that are in season, they're in class in the morning and they have the the, the whole afternoon. Our kids were most kids are not starting practice till about four o'clock in the afternoon. Our kids are starting at two o'clock. They're done by five. That's the big thing with our school. We want our kids done with school practice, everything by five o'clock in the evening. So they're home at six o'clock instead of getting home at seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night and trying to you know, take a shower, eat dinner, do homework at 10, 10 a.m. or something. So, so that's a little bit different. But I will tell you this: uh, about two years ago, we sat in Jackie Hayes' office at the state house, and he was just curious. He wanted to know. I had all my ads and coaches, uh, football coaches, in there, and he asked them what a typical day looked like. Chad Greer was there that day and gave him a rundown of a t- typical day. And, and Jackie started laughing. He said, well, y'all have the same schedule I got at Dillon. So a lot of people think that we're totally different. But to be honest with you, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, very similar in a lot of ways. A lot of these schools that, that have, 
you know, weightlifting fourth block at, or whatever class they want to have and all their football players in that class, you know, it's basically the same schedule. But with us, you know, if you're in season, you're going to be, uh, for the most part, in school in the morning session and you're going to be practicing in the afternoon. That's kind of how we do things. No doubt about it. Coach, I want to say thank you for taking time out tonight. Uh, congratulations on the news from you and all the charter schools across uh, the state. I know you guys uh, joined together to get this big news that came out yesterday. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you, and we're going to talk some more because there's uh, a few things that I know you and I are working on as well. But I do appreciate your time. Tell your bride thanks for letting us have you for about 15 or 20 minutes tonight. But uh, enjoy that vacation, man. We'll talk when you get back. Well, guys, I appreciate it. I wanted to uh, just shout out Coach Smitty there. I look forward to meeting him someday. I know we we uh, we debate every once in a while on Twitter, and uh, but I have a lot of respect for him, and I know he's doing great, great things over in his community. And uh, uh, like I said, we don't always agree, but I think we can always agree to disagree and still walk away friends. But uh, have a lot of respect right. for him. I want to wish him a, a great uh, upcoming season. Right. Well, I, again, Coach Helms, I appreciate all all you've done and. I, I, I'll say this, I'll go on the record saying this, your blended model that you introduced to the state, I believe is going to change education overall. I, I don't, obviously we, we can agree to disagree on uh, the differences involved between the two systems, but I think that model, the model of the future, I do believe that. And I would hope our entire state educational system would adopt your model as the educational model as it is in my opinion, superior to the model that we still exist in at most schools where we don't have a fourth block um, athletic period and, and we waste a lot of time during the day, which in your model they don't waste time. Um, and and that's, a, well, that's, a, that's a plus to you guys because obviously you guys have figured that out and um, have done a great job, in my opinion, again, of bringing that to the state and saying, look, here's our model. You put your model up against it. And um, like I said, I know as an educator looking at your model, because I do do both, I coach and teach a full load. Um, and, uh, that, mo- that model is superior to the model that we're stuck with, which has been around, as we know, since we were kids and, and That's right. really outdated. Well, and, and, and Coach, uh, you know, a lot of schools in every area we have a school, we have affected change because we've seen schools around us start trying to emulate what we're doing academically. It's, it's a little hard in a traditional, uh, a, a traditional public school setting because of their schedules, but we're seeing that they're trying to do that. And you uh, being from Massachusetts, Coach, I can tell you we can't take full credit for this model because when we set out to bring a charter to South Carolina – and we were looking for models and curriculums. We had the model, but, but where we saw the schools with doing, getting literally 60 hours of doing enrollment and the full model that we're doing, uh, we saw it from uh, basically up in the northeast, uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, uh, Wisconsin. We visited schools up in that area that they have been doing it for 10 years. You know, so all, all I think we're doing is uh, we've kind of tweaked it a little bit, but we brought it down south. But uh, I agree with you. It's a superior model for sure. Right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, Mr. Helms, and enjoy the vacation, buddy. We appreciate what you're doing. Yes, sir. Take care, guys. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We'll send him on in a way, of course, as he continues his vacation down in Florida, man. You know what, Coach Smitty, I love that. I love the fact that we can do that here on Southern Sports Central is we get two guys from two total different avenues, one 
of course, representing that, that public school, even though I get that, that of course, right. you know, uh, yeah, they, they're public school as well. It's just a different, little different format. You know, we're, we're the same, but right. different, if you will. And uh, I love that you guys can be grown men and, 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 and appreciate what you guys are both are about and agree, as he said, to disagree. And uh, I'm sure you, <laughs> I'm sure you and I, we hear that a lot of times in our conversation with many right. people usually, uh, but, uh, you know, Coach Helms, the first class guy, right. you he see, believes you know, in what he believes see. in, right? Right, you got to see the positives and the negatives and everything. And, um, you know, one thing, you know, obviously he failed to mention is gray and that those schools don't have special education, which is, you know, a huge issue us public schools have to deal with. We have to have sort of special educational students. And, and uh, so, you know, like I said, that model is superior in one way, but also – it doesn't include those uh, that population of students. So we have to figure out a way in our educational system, the public school system, which I know, again, you know, that Gray is, a, is part of the public school system, even though they're a charter school, but they're more federally public than they are state and local public. Um, but we need to figure out a way how we include the special ed students in that model. Um, right. Because obviously we can't deny them access, that, and that's you know that's kind of what makes a lot of our coaches mad in our state about these charters and, and private schools is that fact that they cannot uh, that they don't take special education, and at the same time we have to. So our populations are totally different than theirs. They're they're like he said, their students are all college prep or honors kids. Well. I know at my school and other schools who, who are a lot like us and a lot of public schools, about 30% of our population is special education those students. And some of those students, you know, aren't able to play sports, aren't able to do things. So it's very hard to compare the two populations and say, hey, this guy belongs in 2A, this guy belongs in 3A. And that's why, again, and I'll go on record again, uh, like I did a couple of years ago, and I told you guys about that a couple of months ago, I went on record and I said, look, they really belong in their own classification, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I truly believe that because, um, and and that's what we saw other states do. They put them in their own classification, and and you know they were all similar in that regard because again they do exclude special education. So, um, I think we're headed towards that direction again. I, I think we're right. headed towards an IMG slash. Uh, school choice direction in this state. And um, like I said, I, I do thank them for bringing that model to the state because I think we'll eventually figure out how to do that model and service the special educational students that we need because that that's, right that's obviously very important. I, you know, and I have a son who has special educational needs who's um, dyslexic. So I know all about that firsthand of, you know, why he needs it, you know, and, and how our system uh, helps him through get through his educational day and, and you know, gives him the services that he needs. So, right. uh, like I said, I, I, you know, I hate to jump off the, <laughs> the, the – No, you're the, fine. The but, but I'm going to say this thing, Coach Smitty. Right. But what, what we're going to go to a break here in just a minute, but I do want to say this. I, I, they, I know they don't have as many, and, and I'm getting confirmation here that they do have – uh, about 35 to 40 in each school, right? They don't have what you see in, in 
at, of course, at your school or, or maybe at Fort Dorchester or Somerville or Ashley Ridge. And I'm only mentioning the schools here, Sockasee. I don't want to start just naming certain schools, Berkeley County schools and all. But, but from what I'm gathering uh, is, is that each of these charter schools have about 35 to 40 uh, special needs uh, individuals in their school. Now, again, they don't deal with the higher number, but they also don't deal with the higher number of capacity neither. We're going to talk about that coming out of break. I, I want to give you guys a chance, give you a chance to, to kind of rebuttal a little bit here. Because, again, it's about educating, entertaining, uh, and, and doing it, you know, like we're able to do it here. And I just want to make sure that, that, you know, when I get an information, I want to make sure I share it with you as well. Uh, because there is going to be some differences here, no doubt about it. We understand that, heck, just in the numbers. But even where you teach at and, and you coach at and you mentor at, uh, when we come back with Coach Committee, we're going to find out how many students are actually in C.E. Murray and how this, if it was to be a school of choice, how could this affect some of the smaller schools, like a Burke High School, a Cross High School, a C.E. Murray High School, and some of those schools across the state, Ainer High School again, they could travel all the way into, of course, uh, Ori County. And how does this affect not only the school, but also affects the community? We'll listen to that and much more as you're listening to Southern Sports Central coming to you live in Somerville, South Carolina, on Blog Talk Radio, guys. Hour three coming up. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie Altman. This is Southern Sports Central. Eugene Benton here. Uh, Eugene, I'm going to let you kind of jump in and unmute your mic a little bit as well because I want to get you in some of this conversation as well. Of course, we did uh, hang out with Coach Todd Helm. He's out on vacation, and the bride, of course, allowed him to hang out with the fellas for a few minutes. He is uh, with the Pinnacle Charter Academy. They just got the word yesterday that they can get back to business and do a few things uh, differently as they can do at some of the other schools around the state. But we'll talk a little bit more about that because we also still have uh, with us as Coach Schmitty. Of course, uh, he is Brian Smith, the head coach over at C.E. Murray. He's also the athletic director, played his college days at the Dell, right down the road. That's the Citadel for you guys who don't know the terminology. And, uh, again, uh, he is uh, not just representing, uh, you know, a, a public side of it and, and, and the other side of this charter school conversation but if you listen to him, he, he, he understands it. It's a change, and it's coming. And he says, basically, wrap your arms around it, because if you don't, you're going to be left behind a little bit here. Of course, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've got some numbers here that are kind of coming in, and, and I've got a lot of in, in, impressive uh, individuals that are texting me, kind of giving me an update here, Coach Schmitty. But when you look at it and, and you start to put things in perspective, because of the student size in these charter schools are, are substantially smaller than a Wando then they are doormen, then they are some of the larger schools like Dutch Fork around the state, right? That, of course, is its own entity. But when it comes down to a school of choice, let's say that that becomes a conversation. And you start to see some of these schools like Myrtle Beach, like, you know, some of these, uh, I want to try to mention schools in other areas, Burns High School. All of a sudden, they are opening their doors and allowing some of the kids from C.E. Murray that can travel into Monk's Corner because Greeleyville to Monk's Corner isn't very far, and they could go to Burt High School. What would that mean to a school like you at C.E. Murray? And, of course, what would that mean for the entire community there at Greeleyville? Well, again, I, I think it would uh, hurt our school more than help it. And um, I, I, I would 
not be in favor again of, of school choice of, of any way, shape, shape, or form if it means they're trying not to fund your school. And that's kind of, you know, what, what that whole conversation is going towards is they really don't want to fund our schools properly. So the only way to uh, combat that is to kind of do away with them. So how do you do away with them? Well, you let them fall in a state of disrepair so badly that, um, and you funnel all the all your resources into other places, and then you open up school choice. Well, any parent in their right mind wants what's best for their child, and they're not going to send them to schools in total disrepair when you got a school that's close enough to drive to that um, has school choice. So, um, in my mind, that would kill again. And we've seen it the past couple of years. We've seen those schools close: the Lincolns, the right. Creek Bridges. Uh, I can keep naming them, and they've all Choppy High School. With that, we got Choppy High School. Choppy, and it's been a right? minute Choppy since it's been done. The Choppy was a big school, now, right? In that situation, they actually, you know, did a great thing, and they they made a, a bigger, newer community school. Now, I agree with that. Now it's different when you're talking about school choice, and there's no new school, no new nothing coming, and you're closing down communities like we've seen before because that's what happens when you close one of these schools. You close the entire community because the entire community is based off of that school like it is in Greeleyville where, I I mean, most of our people live in Greeleyville where the major business in Greeleyville, where the major employer in in the town of Greeleyville. Um, So you're talking about basically shutting down the town and also, again, we found and you know, I take my word for it. There's been plenty of educational studies done when you close those schools. Those kids get left behind at a bigger school because they were so accustomed to growing up in a system with a small school. Um, so when you do that, you can find out those kids end up getting left behind. And there's been plenty of educational studies to prove that. You don't have to take my word for that. Right. So I think when we talk about that, it, it could be a dangerous thing school choice and and we also got to talk about why why are we wanting school choice well it's because some schools are in such a bad state of fear and 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 they haven't been funded properly that's that's the truth of it um so how do you combat that problem And, and again i don't have all the answers i wish i did um but i know a lot of people um Again, and it would be a parental decision, but most parents would choose, obviously, the school that has the better resources. Yeah, no doubt. We're live right now with Coach Smitty. He is the head football coach, athletics director over there at C.E. Murray, a smaller school around the great state of South Carolina, not one of the, uh, of course, 5A. What, what are you guys 2A down there? I we're, believe, is that right, 2A? No, we're 1A. So you're one A, okay. Have, so you're right we, there. We with, have about 325 students total. Gotcha. Okay. So, so the good thing is here, and if you guys here in Charleston, of course, St. John's is a one A school as well. And then we have a few one A schools here in, in the Low Country, Greeleyville. Uh, you're right outside. I, I, are you guys in the Low Country? You're in the PD. Where, where do you guys kind of fit? We're, we're actually we're, we're actually considered PD. Um, even though we're right on the border of PD and Low Country, you know, as you know, Timberland and Cross are very close to us. Um, so right. we're right on the border of being either Low Country or PD. 
Right, right. So, of course, uh, you know, you also are a huge advocate and a huge contributor to Southern Sports Central on many levels here. Uh, a lot of practices have opened across the state here locally. Uh, everybody, I believe, uh, at least in the three counties, are, are starting to practice Charleston, Berkeley, and Dorchester. Now, Dorchester is in week two. Charleston, I believe, is in week three, and they were held up from going into that second wave this week. They maintained in the week into that first wave still because these numbers are still increasing. And uh, meanwhile, other schools are, are, are shutting down uh, in the state Correct. of South Carolina. Other districts are. Uh, you, give me an athletic point of view here. Where are we at with this thing? And realistically, right. you know, what, what's your gut telling you right now when it comes to an upcoming season? Well, again, and, uh, and, you know, I'm not being negative. I know some people accuse me of being negative, but I, I like to deal with facts and realities instead of hopes and misses. Um, but right. the reality is we're looking at either a reduced season or no season at all if we don't get this thing under control. Um, hospitalizations, right. again, today increased by about uh, 60 hospitalizations in our state, which means there's about 2,700 total. That's total bed left in our hospital system in the state. Um, that's that's very disturbing. And, and Dr. Fauci, I know a lot of, again, I don't get into conspiracy theories, but Dr. Fauci, the top epidemiologist, testified before Senate today and um, said it's disturbing some of the numbers in these states that are uh, outbreaking right now. And we'll find out in the next two weeks, according to him. And I got to go by what he says. He's the top epidemiologist. Um, and we'll find out in the next two weeks if we can contain it. Um, so I'm right. hoping and praying that we'll all do the right thing and slow down. That's all I ask. I'm not telling you to stop completely. I'm just saying, please slow down. Don't, 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 and don't, and worse, don't break the rules. I see too many people. Mm -hmm breaking the rules with no mask in large groups, um, having at it. I saw some seven-on-seven seven games where they're up in each other's face mm. with no mask, and that's totally breaking the rules, and, and that's going to cost us. There's no way around it. This thing is too contagious. I don't want to get into death rates and all that, but we all know that it affects a certain uh, population, and, and we all know that um, it is deadly to especially people with high blood pressure, diabetes, all these other obesity and stuff like that. So, again, we don't want to overrun the hospital system at all, and we're close to that point. We're about 30 to 40 days away from not having any hospital beds left if we don't get it under control. So I urge everybody to do the best they can. And, again, I'm not telling people to shut down. Just please follow the rules, do what you got to do, and and, and – slow down a little bit can have a season. There's a difference, right. you know, because if we don't slow down, there, there will be no season. The state superintendent of education said it herself. The state top epidemiologist, Dr. Linda Bell, said it herself. So them two are the top two authorities in our state. we got to listen to them. We can't be deniers and say, oh, no, they don't know what they're talking about. Cause, and, again, if we do that, going to be a sad day come August 19th when everybody's supposed to kick off and we're all still at home and kicking the can down the road again like we did in the spring. Oh, maybe in three weeks we'll have a game. Maybe in four weeks we'll have a game. Well, guess what? Right. That game won't come, I promise you, if right. we don't do the right things. 
I agree with you. And as we're live right now with Coach Schmitty coming to us uh, from Greeleyville, South Carolina, where C.E. Murray High School is uh, located here in the Palmetto State. Talk to him about uh, the COVID-19 uh, epidemic. He's kind of our COVID-19 representative. Though. Let's be honest. I mean, this guy has uh, been very vocal on social media. And a lot of coaches support you, Coach, whether you hear it or not. I, I get a lot of inboxes from, hey, man, that guy, he might be brutal, but he's brutally honest. And a lot of facts and figures. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, your father-in-law, uh, you know, uh, was right. was, uh, was taken Passed by COVID-19. So this is something very close to you, correct? Right. My father-in-law passed away. My father spent four weeks in the hospital with COVID-19. My brother had it. Um, I had a lot of community members that are passed away from it because it hit this area first in our state. That you know, And, again, I saw right. the funeral cars headed out each and every day from this community and the Williamsburg community. So, um, you know, we saw that first. And now it's starting to hit your right. bigger cities, your Lexingtons, your Greenville, your other areas. And, again, we well, uh, see Myrtle I Beach and Hilton Head right now are, are leading the way. Carlton is, is right I, there I as well. I don't know if people saw this, but, again, it's very disturbing. Tideland Health, who runs the Myrtle mm-hmm. Beach system, today came out with a eight-paragraph-long um, advisory telling people they're out of bed. So, mm-hmm. um and for people to start practicing social distancing, start listening to these guidelines or else, you know, they're not going to be able to service you no matter what injury you got. You could have a, you know, be in a car accident, you name it. They're not going to be able to service you right. properly. So so they were begging and pleading today as an organization, Tideland Health right. was through the uh, Georgetown News, that people listen you got to do the right thing now you know this thing's not a hoax it's not some conspiracy theory this is real and and whether you want to believe it or not it will affect you eventually and it doesn't affect everybody the same no um you know like we we know there's been plenty of uh studies to say you know if you got high blood pressure diabetes all these different comorbidities you're at more risk and i mean heck uh, we still don't know about how it affects the lungs of your younger kids uh, yet as well. So, again, yeah. slow down, practice, practice social distancing, practice uh, wearing the mask so we can possibly have this fall season. I want it just as bad right. as anyone. And that, I, I think coaches, I don't know, some of them misunderstand why I put the facts out there. That, you know, oh, you know, your team doesn't know. My, t- you know, my team knows full well they've been – their family members have been hit hard by it too, so uh, they they appreciate the facts. But again, I mean, we're considered to be one of the best teams in the state this year uh, coming back. So I want to play the season as much as anybody. But again, we want to do it safely, and we want to make sure that these we're not pawning out these young kids either, and and making them right. guinea pigs. We want to want to be absolutely sure that we're not putting them or their families at total risk of disaster. And, you know, right. sometimes we forget because of our local fame or whatever we get out of the sport, sometimes we forget these kids go home and they got family members that take care of them. And some of their family members might fit one of those categories of uh, people who are very susceptible to the, to the disease. And we don't want to ruin those families. And, and that's what happens mm-hmm. when, you know, people pass away. So um, right. we got to be very careful doing it. Like I said, I don't – that by no means means I'm against the season or I'm against this or that. It just means slow down and let's 
let's do it the right way and make sure everybody is following the rules. And I hope that there's, you know, we need more accountability as we've seen. I mean, we've seen too much right. stuff on um, social media. We can point out where uh, there's there's a lot of no accountability going on. Like I said, it's, it's totally irresponsible to have games right now with guys up in each other's face unless they got a mask on. They don't even have masks on. Um, mm. And at the same time, you know, us, there's been schools who have done it the right way. They've had the 10 guys and they've socially distanced them. They, they're doing all the right things, temperature checks, asking them the important questions, making sure they're not sick. And that even with that, we've seen schools like Newberry, the Newberry County schools, the Fort Mill schools, and the Union County schools have to shut down. So we got to, again, uh, be very cautious and careful. No doubt about it. We're live right now with the uh, head coach and athletic director from C.E. Murray, uh, Coach Smitty, Brian Smith, uh, who uh, joins us here tonight uh, for the next 15 minutes. And, uh, Coach, I am going to get you back in here Thursday because I want to talk uh, and because we had some kind of some changing in programming here with timing and stuff, uh, on Thursday we're going to focus on a lot of the athletes and uh, when it comes to the prospects. There was a list that was given out yes. uh, by a young man uh, who I believe, I don't want to confirm that I've got him coming on the show with me, but I'm pretty sure Mr. Austin Sylvie is going to join me. Uh, you guys may have seen what we put out there. He, of course, is uh, with the uh, Sylvie ESP he just recently put out a prospect list of the top upcoming seniors. And, uh, boy, he's gotten some heat from coaches. He's gotten some heat from players. And uh, there's two avenues to that. First of all, preseason conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're letting right. something like that bother you, you need to check yourself at the door, number one. Right. Number two, if you're on the list, let it motivate you, let it push you, and, and let it pull you. If you're not, I'm going to tell you, hustle for what you can't see. If you're not on the list, today make sure you're on that list tomorrow show him why you should have been on that list don't tweet at him don't go after him all right go after him with video go after him with film i understand hey i get it but you know it's a lot of it's a lot into it but for me and coach me i know you actually uh, know the list i'm talking about but uh you know when you see these preseason polls and you see these preseason stats for me those are for us those are for you and me and you and eugene and and of course, uh, we're going to get in here with Reginald Walker at 830, but they're for us to have conversations on the radio or to go to work and, and have something to talk right. about other than COVID-19. It, it's not right. the end of all. And trust me, I don't really know how many college coaches are going to go, well, you weren't on that list the other day, and I'm not going to recruit you, right? No, 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 not at all. Again, they're great, <laughs> conversation, great conversation pieces, but it also lets you know that this state is entirely loaded with talent. And, and yeah. that's a that's an uh, uh, you know that's an accolade for all the coaches in the state to tip their hat to. Our state is loaded with, uh, especially football talent. I mean, there, there's no denying that fact. I mean, I, you could make 30 of those lists, and all 30 be totally different with you know the, as many players as our state has. And you know, like I I, I, I wanted to say. Um, before the Hilton Head area right now. I don't know what they're doing down mm -hmm. in Hilton Head, but I'm going to get down there and see again. I used to go down there every year and visit with uh, Coach Crib at Bluffton and now Coach Hop, who's at Bluffton High School. And, and um, I know Coach Payne at Hilton Head High School is doing huge things. And 
uh, Buford High School has some prospects, and um, that whole Hilton Head area right now is exploding with college prospects. So that that's exciting, exciting for the state that you got a whole other area exploding with prospects. Um, and then you know, the, I still believe the Low Country Charleston area is probably one of the most underrated areas in the entire state. It doesn't get as much publicity as your other areas in upstate or uh, Rock Hill or or even, for that matter, it doesn't even get as much publicity as the Horry County area. But the low country, again, is loaded with talent and loaded with prospects. They're just underrated. Right. And, and again, uh, Coach Smitty joined us too as well. Eugene, I want you to chime in a little bit, man. You've been – Pushing yeah, the buttons man. on the Twitter world, man. But chime in. And, and no doubt, and, and there's one prospect. Well, he's not a prospect. He's a college player now. One one of your alumni, a guy I got to see firsthand. And, and I tell you, uh, my stepson at the time came into that game. He was, uh, he was uh, you know, had his shoulders uh, back and his chest puffed out. And he went into that C.E. Murray game I mentioned earlier that I went home crying. And that was a long drive home after getting her butt whipped. And, and that's Darius. And Darius could have gone to many schools. He could have gone to Michigan. I thought for a while there that's where he was going to go. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, to myself, you know, maybe he could chime in and uh, maybe you could make that call or, or set us up to get him to come on the show and talk to us about, you know, the Gamecock life and, and, and playing for a school like C.E. Murray. But, you know, seeing that kid, because we, we scouted that kid. Gerald and I scouted him because Gerald's the wide receiver. Um, if you remember, he, he did some uh, had some great game, you know, especially in the first half. And he was looking forward to the challenge because this is a guy, you know, your guy was going to Carolina and Gerald was trying to make right. a name for himself. And, you know, that first half, you know, he caught that long touchdown. Then he beat Darius uh, on a deep uh, post over the middle that got ended up getting called back for a holding call. And, you know, and then we looked at Darius coming in. And, and you guys had him listed at barely six feet, maybe 160 pounds or something like that. Gerald comes over and he goes, "Man, sh- shoot! I'll say, I'll say, shoot!" He said that dude's a lot bigger than he, than they listed him. But uh, you know, he took over that game, whether it was that quarterback, a running back, a receiver, a defensive back. You know, you had that guy in every position that you could put him in to succeed. And God knows, I think he put up like touchdowns that game. We were up 19 to nothing. If that Gerald's deep post had, had uh, counted for that hold, without that holding call, it would have been something like 26 to nothing, you know, in the first quarter. And you just held your guys still, held them still, fought back. And I don't even remember the final score, something like 34-19. We didn't score another point after the first quarter. And that was with a Division One quarterback and Sam, who's uh, up at Wake Forest, and Gerald at Notre Dame. And, man, you just held those guys in check. And most teams would have folded that in that first quarter. And, uh, you know, I, so I was kind of curious, you know, with a guy like Darius, I mean, coming from that area, and I, and I know, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, it's a very repressed area, and yet, you know, here he is. With, he had offers from Michigan to South Carolina, uh, ends up in South Carolina. So maybe you could uh, fill us in and, and let us know what's going on with the yeah. world of Darius. I saw him play a little bit last year on the punt team and some other right. things like that. And I know he's playing defense, so – uh Catch us up on him. Right. Well, again, Darius is a phenomenal kid, student, athlete. He's actually going to graduate two years early. Uh, he graduates this December from the University of South Carolina, which is a huge accomplishment to do that in uh, the little bit of time that he's been there. Uh, 
Um, he's now moved to safety last year. He played a little bit of cornerback, uh, but was mostly a special teams player. And uh, this past offseason, they moved him to safety. So uh, we're hoping for big things this year from him. Uh, but regardless of that, we, we know he's going to be successful no matter what. We're definitely going to uh, hook him up to get him on you guys' show as long as Coach Muschamp will let him. Um, I know they're up there now in Columbia, and they're trying to work their way through this whole COVID situation too. And I'm not going to release any information, but they're dealing with a lot of issues as well with the whole coronavirus um, situation. So, uh, you know, that, that that's definitely a issue for them. But uh, Darius is doing great. He's doing phenomenal. He's doing real phenomenal in the classroom, like I said, which is hugely important. And um, he's probably going to leave Carolina with a master's degree, which which, which is awesome. And um, hopefully, like I said, he'll uh, break into that starting lineup this year as a safety, and then that would, that would be awesome. But uh, he was a awesome kid to coach, played multiple positions for us. We've moved him all around the field, try to give him the ball as much as possible. And he's just a, you know, a testament. When I broke into being a head coach in 1A, um, I came from Manning High where we were 3A and had a very successful program at Manning under Robbie Briggs and um, went to 1A. And, you know, I didn't know anything about 1A football when I became the head coach at C. Murray. And I was like, yeah, it's 1A, you know, well, I found out real quick playing Carver's Bay and, and Cross and all these other teams that were in 1A, Lakeview and um, all the others that uh, 1A actually, you know, has more talent than a lot of the other classifications, regardless of uh, the classification. And, and in fact, the numbers, uh, they were, as of, I think, two years ago, there were more 1A players in the NFL than there were from any other classification. Uh, you know, and that includes guys like Darius Leonard, who was all-pro linebacker for the uh, Indianapolis coach these past couple of years. Uh, you got uh, Clayton Gathers, who plays for the coach. That's from Carver's Bay. Uh, you know, and I can just keep naming these uh, 1A guys that um, are in the NFL. So it, it, it's quite amazing. Uh, again, the talent in this state is so underrated. Um, I wish some of those ESPN analysts or scout guys live closer to our state um, because I, I truly believe more guys would get scholarships than, than what we even have because, again, even the low country is so underrated. Yeah, and I agree with you. And most of the major scouting sources like the Rivals and 24-7, they set up these camps in Charlotte. And so naturally the Columbia kids, the upstate kids, and the Rock Hill kids are they're you know, are able to make those and they get those three and four star ratings and then the college, whether or not they may be better on film, they get those ratings and you know, coaches will college coaches will tell you, Oh, we don't look at stars but of course they do, they do. because it's, they get the re- they get the recruiting titles and we all know that here in the coaching business. You know, and I think that's one thing that hurts low country. And, and as you follow me on Twitter and stuff, you know, I take the guys that I train. You know, I'm not train kickers. It's a very sub-specialty group of football players. But, you know, I've had them in Ohio, Tennessee, North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, all over because I get them out there to get this exposure to compete against guys 
from those areas. I had one that was about burnout, and I said, son, we've got to go to Orlando. If you want to make it to the next level, you went and competed in Ohio, and you did a great job. Now go down in Florida and beat those kids. That shows that you're willing to go anywhere, don't matter what, and compete. And when college coaches start looking at that, whether they're at college in Florida or Georgia or North Carolina or, or even Ohio, I mean, his, his goal was to, you know, is Ohio State. I said, that that's what you got to show is that the, it doesn't matter where that college is. You're willing to come in and compete. And it's just, it, but it's real tough. Not everybody can do that. You know, his, his parents right. are very fortunate enough to, to allow us to do that and to travel. You know, with a bunch of kids I train, you know, their parents are fortunate enough to be able to, to provide those opportunities. But these kids don't have that. And I feel like, you know, until we get these bowl games, like the showcase game for the juniors and stuff, kind of the mid-state, you know, I feel like the lower state, like you said, the low country, is just, you know, it's a very dis- – they're disadvantaged when it comes to being able to promote themselves on a national stage. I, I agree totally. I, I, and I know you guys had a prime example last year. I, I believe it was the running back at Oceanside. Um, I thought he was one of the better players in the country at his position and um, was definitely underrated for sure. Um, so you see that all the time, and, and that's the bad part about the whole um, combine camp stuff is it has taken over the college football world and made some of these coaches lazy and they only shoot for those guys that are ranked. And they miss on guys. And, and, again, Darius Leonard's a perfect example. I remember Coach King at Lakeview trying to push him to every college possible. Matter of fact, he had a cousin who played at Clemson. And um, actually it might have been his brother who played at Clemson. And um, no one would take the kid. No one. He was one of the best players in the entire state, regardless of classification, and proved it the minute he stepped on a field at South Carolina State. Got drafted in the second round, year, rookie year, all-pro linebacker, led those NFL in tackles. And, you know, you see so many of those stories. Even John Abraham, when he played for Lamar, was underrated. Carolina came in and, and took him at the last moment, and he should have been a five-star, no doubt about it. And, you know, you got guys like B.J. Goodson who played for Lamar that's in the NFL that he ended up going to Clemson. But, again, it was kind of a hidden secret. Clemson – Kept him hidden for a while. He didn't have 100, 200 offers like some of these guys because, again, um, these scouts aren't getting out. To, you know, and I blame the NCAA for a lot of that because they've now, uh, and this is what the parents need to listen to, the NCAA has restricted these coaches so much now where they're not allowed to get out but three weeks a year, two in the spring and one in the fall. And that's not enough to see their whole areas. And I don't know why the NCAA even has a restriction on, you know, when they're allowed to recruit. And I would call for all parents, everybody, to just bother the NCAA as much as you can to get rid of that because it hurts kids. Like, why are you restricting how many times they can visit? Because the more times they visit, the more kids they're going to be able to see. It makes no sense to me that they do that. And and like I said, now they've restricted them so much where these guys, I mean, they have to pick and choose where they go. So, of course, they're going to go to the area that has the highest rated kit. I mean, they only got three, like I said, three weeks to get it all done, and some of them have two or three states. If you're talking about one of these Power 5 schools, you can't cover a whole state in three weeks. 
Well, I appreciate it, Coach. It looks like we're headed to the break. I just got the buzzer, and uh, we just want to wish you the best, man. Stay healthy, and we'll catch check up with you late, uh, a little later. Yeah, appreciate you guys. All right, uh, Coach, we do appreciate everything, not only what you do at the school, but also what you do on and around. He jumped off there quick. Let's jump into the quick break because when we come back, I think Reginald's going to join us. He tried to get back in here around 730. I said, man, 830 is a good time. And uh, we got a lot to cover with him in the final 30, guys. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match, riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your horse, I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch, now can't nobody tell me It's one of those situations to where, you know, as you continue to watch uh, what's going on in the world, I think folks are uh, overly sensitive to a lot of things. But on the flip side of it, uh, my frustration, if you will, uh, with the situation looks like this. Uh, How do you uh, go to a track and see something like that, that uh, apparently the explanation of the visual is it was a part of the garage door string or rope that is a part of the garage door um, that that looked as if it could be a noose. So basically what that sounds like to me is 
it was a it was a it was a rope off the garage door off the bottom of the garage door that you could pull down right um mm-hmm. that was tied in a certain way um my issue with that is didn't you have track officials um go to the track ahead of all of the teams getting there and walk through it uh my second issue with that is uh you know all of the cameras we should have probably figured this out in my opinion uh, even sooner and then third of all, obviously, the one thing I will say in defense, if you will, is there's no way, uh, from my standpoint, with all that going on, that um, for that to be the visual, um, for that to get out public like that before you start to figure out what the heck is really going on. So I think a lot of missed, missed things on both sides there. Um, that created a, a situation that, listen, I mean, it was, it's ugly. That's, uh, it, there's no other way to put it. That's ugly. Um, and for it now us to look at this and, and find out that there is uh, essentially, according at least to NASCAR and the FBI, uh, no smoke to the fire, if you will. Um, I guess in one way, um, it, it, it reminds us that there is some good humanity. Uh, but in one way, it, it also... Um, allows conspiracy theorists and, and folks that that question things just because they question them uh, to fester. Right. We're live right now with uh, Reginald Walker. He's the voice with the UNC Charlotte 49ers. He also does a lot of work on the radio with Gardner Webb, does some stuff on the TV land, and right here on Southern Sports Central, uh, does a phenomenal job on Tuesday evenings whether it be 6.30 or whatever we can find that slot to get him in here and educate. Of course, uh, he comes well-renowned and a resume full after playing his college days with Joe Pa and the Nittany Lions. Uh, the one thing that I did like, the one thing that I thought it showed something, and ladies and gentlemen, if we can watch NASCAR drivers, we can watch that, that family of NASCAR as Bubba Wallace was walking his car out. Did you see the drivers, the crew members, the people behind him walking with him. And did you not watch the emotion of this man, the emotion of this man, and how he yep. got to his knees at his own door there? To me, man, it, again, that shook my house in, in multiple ways that I could never imagine. And I'm going to be honest with you, uh, it, it did my heart good to see the, the world of NASCAR and the steps that they've taken in the last three weeks. I, I flat out agree with that. I mean, it, it, the moment was – I mean, you see something like that in NASCAR when certain guys that are stars among stars in the sport retire. That's pretty much it. And so to see the entire garage, not just his team, to your point, not just the drivers, but the absolute entire garage, 82-year-old Richard Petty swoops in to, to be there for his driver. That, to me, is a sense of community. That was a moment that I don't care what, whether you're a NASCAR fan or not. If you saw that, you will never forget it. No doubt about it. And I'm actually getting ready to tweet out from Darren Sofus. Darren Sofus used to be a, uh, a news anchor here with the uh, Channel 4 group. He's now down in Orlando, but uh, I'm going to retweet what he's got going on here, and uh, it says by Darren Sofers, uh, Bubba's pain was real. The response from NASCAR and the all 39 of the 
other drivers at Talladega was real. It's the biggest twist in the story is that there is less racist co- uh, coward in the world than all thought. That's a good thing. Again, that is uh, from the Twitter handle of Darren Stolfus, a former uh, news anchor gentleman here in Charleston, South Carolina. And, again, you can see the, the King Richard Petty shoulder to shoulder. And he said that. I stand shoulder to shoulder with Bubba Wallace. And I think that's huge. And, again, you, you see so much positive, and we need it. There's always going to be some positive out of negative. And anything in life, you just have to sometimes open your eyes and close your mouth long enough to be a part of it. And you're seeing NASCAR doing a phenomenal job. And, again, man, it started early in Talladega with the plane that flew over top and the parade of cars that had their, their – they had their say-so with the flags that they flew. But NASCAR says, I will not tolerate it. And if it's to be deemed, we will ban this individual or individuals for life. That's a serious charge, and that's a serious situation. Again, we applaud NASCAR for, for what they did, and, and, and we continue to kind of look around uh, and see that NASCAR, I think, honestly, coming out of this thing has really taken the right steps in the right direction. And coming out of COVID-19 and coming out of this separation of, a, of our country right now has really done the best job in any of the sports and really putting their foot down. And predominantly what we've seen, a, a, I would say a, a sport that's got very rarely African-Americans in it. But Bubba Wallace is not only getting – drivers to look into it man look at the fans in the stands i bet you when they are allowed to get back in to some of these venues oh it's going to look different uh the stands are going to look very different um from what we're perhaps used to seeing if you will um in terms of a nascar crowd i I think i think the 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 uh evolution of who is going to be willing uh to attend a race is there and and let me tell you something uh you know as as a black man in America, uh, I've lived in cities and around cities that have tracks, racetracks. And the conversation has come up around me many a time. Hey, man, there's a race. Again, I live in Charlotte. Hey, the all-star race is coming. And the conversation is, ah, I don't know if we're welcome up there. I think that narrative is changing. And I think that's important that that narrative changes. But I think as a whole, uh, not just in NASCAR. I think NASCAR, uh, obviously, in sport is the main uh, one going through that, through what I'm getting ready to say. But I think as a whole, there's a paradigm shift going on completely right now. Uh, there are a lot of people uh, behind a lot of things right now in terms of finding the positivity, uniting, equality, uh, improving race relations. All of those things are happening right now. Uh, for some people, obviously, they'll tell you, not at a fast enough rate for them. Others, to be honest, it's going too fast for them, if you get where I'm going with that. But at the end of mm-hmm. the day, it is moving. And the reality is a bunch of people better either get on the train or get out of the way because it will run you over. Hmm. No doubt about it. We're live right now. Reginald Walker coming to us all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina, and talking to us about all the headlines that are happening. Talking about a train, it looks like the major leagues have jumped on the track, and here they come full steam. July 1, according to the uh, athletics, Jim Bowden uh, will be, of course, uh, when camps will start to open as of July 24th, opening day 2020 for the major leagues. And then the season expected to end September 27th, 60 days of baseball, a short, sweet season. Your thoughts when you saw this come out just about an hour ago? I, I was confused, to be honest, and, and I'm going to tell you why. What do we have? What was it? Saturday, Sunday, right over the weekend, they were closing down 
different teams' facilities because of positive tests or people being exposed to COVID-19 in the last three or four days in baseball and some places in baseball. And now to say that they expect guys to report to camp in less than 10 days, I I tell you, I haven't seen. Now, again, we, none of us have seen a pandemic like this, at least in our lifetimes. But I haven't seen a shift like that with, with this pandemic or really anything else ever. And so I'm curious to see how this thing evolves because that is a very rapid turnaround uh, from just where we were last Thursday or last Friday um, and then going through the weekend as they were closing down again uh, different teams' facilities because of COVID-19. So. Uh, I, I'm curious to see what happens, and I'd love to know what the protocol is if a player tests positive in a clubhouse. Because, again, the, I don't care who you are. There is no way you're going to tell me that you're going to be able to socially distance that many ball players clubhouse for 60 days and then into the playoffs. I don't see it. So it's going to be I want to know what the protocol is. And I, same thing with college football. Same thing with the NFL. What is the protocol and in the NBA? What is the protocol going to be when a player tests positive because clearly the rest of the team has been exposed? Right. No doubt about it. You talk NBA, it looks like these guys are ready to get things moving. And what July is kind of the date for the NBA as well, trying to get something, salvage something, and they're all going to put them in Orlando. I mean, it seems like Florida kind of seems to be the hub here when yet Florida is at one point had 4,000 I said it with a thousand, four thousand cases over the weekend on one day. But yet we're going to put all these basketball players down in the Sunshine State, down there in Orlando. Do you think this is something that's going to end up happening, or you think they're going to have to revisit this thing as that season opener for the NBA down there in uh, Walt Disney uh, get closer? I think it's going to happen, and I, here's what I think the the big issue is going to be. Because I think there's two things, and I, and I'm sure people at home are thinking, man, he's always finding the negative. No, I'm looking at the realities of the situation. There's two things that we have to be concerned about as it relates to the NBA, obviously both related to cases. What happens uh, on a team where you get multiple positive cases in a couple of days? Because if they're supposed to play a couple of games in a couple of days and they've got six guys that come down with it, they're not going to just say next man up because they're depleted. On the flip side of that, as we have motorcycles driving past me in Charlotte, that's what the noise you hear. I thought you were at the race On the flip side of that, <laughs> I, it sounds like it, right? On the flip side yeah. of that, here's the bigger question. What happens, what happens when one of the stars on one of the teams that has a chance to win tests positive? Mm. And I'll never use – I don't want to use names, but just think nope. about who some of those people could be if all of a sudden that player has to quarantine for 14 days. Now, all of a sudden, there's a whole lot of people going, was it worth it for us to come down here? Because now we're not going to win because I'm without XYZ for two weeks. So that becomes an issue. That becomes a question. That becomes a problem. And you add to that, you've got at least six teams. I mean, you could say what you want about the seventh and eighth seeds of both conferences. But you've got at least six teams. That shouldn't be there anyway. They're not even playoff teams. So there's a bunch of people there that don't need to be there. 
That's why I don't have a problem with Davis Bertans from the Wizards saying, I'm not going. I've got, I absolutely have no issue with Trevor Ariza with his situation with his son and being able to spend time with his kid. I completely understand that. And there will be more. And so you have to ask yourself, do we really have to finish this season? And here's why I say that. And people can say what they want because the example I'm going to use may not fit as well, right? But Major League Baseball did not crown a champion in 1994. They had a strike. They did not crown a champion in 1994. They're still here. Mm -hmm. The sport didn't go away. That season just didn't have a champion. If you go back and look at college football, college basketball, how many champions did we have that technically the books say those games didn't happen because of sanctions later? No one's going to care. So is it really that serious? And, and, And Adam Silver is on the record as saying, the losses are incremental, but he's not saying they're insurmountable in terms of financially if they don't play the rest of the season. So, again, I ask, do they really need to play? Right. Is it win at all costs? Is it win today financially if it lose tomorrow in our future? I mean, there's, there's so many different avenues, and that's kind of what I even said financially here in the state of South Carolina where we've opened up the doors and it's all gas and no brakes is kind of what the governor's kind of put in play here, and he continues to open up things, and it's continuing to raise questions around not only here in Charleston but around the, the, the state. Of course, you know, there's a division in who believes it's real and who believes it's not real, the numbers. Again, we don't get into that number, but the numbers that, that I am concerned about is, is that what are we willing to cost today and, and lose tomorrow? I mean, are we that hurting to get these guys in? To me, I think the NBA season would be okay just to wait a few more months and start their season because it does start in about two more months, if I'm not mistaken. For baseball, I get it. they got to wait a little bit. But you know what? Like you said, they've survived other things in the past. Now, talking about surviving mode, college football, boy, they have really seen opening, and I mean cases wide open, LSU, Oklahoma, and no, excuse me, it is um, Clemson. I want to I be correct here. Uh, Boise State, Clemson, LSU is on this list, and uh, there's a few more colleges on the list not in front of me. But, Reginald, when you look at this, uh, Paul Fonbon says he doesn't see college football happening this year. Do you see it being pushed back maybe to January or them just saying, look, I just don't know how we can keep these kids together because, quite frankly, I thought the reason that these kids were going to college is so they can keep an eye on them. But LSU evidently lets them go out at night in, in, in Baton Rouge, and they end up coming back 31 deep with a uh, positive result. Yeah, I, I, you know, Marcus Spears said it best. If we lose one kid, One kid, it wasn't worth it. And I'm starting to become more and more concerned about that possibility of a large number of positive tests. And even more so, again, it's one thing to have them now. And I'll get to that point in a second. But what's the process on game week? If all of a sudden... You know, Clemson's playing Florida State or Clemson's playing in the ACC championship game and Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne test positive on Wednesday. What is the solution? Because I'm going to tell you right now, it sounds good, 
Everybody will say, oh, we next man up. Yeah, until it's your team. Hmm. Until it's your team. And on the reverse of that, and none of them will say it publicly, and I'm, I, and I'm not going to say anyone has told me this. And I, I may not, this may not be smart to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think there is a faction of coaches that are essentially like, just let them go ahead and get it, get the antibodies, and we can move on, and then we can play a season. That's what I think I tell you what. is going on in some programs. Wow. And they can never There's say that here. publicly. You can't sure. say oh, that. No, no, no. no. But I guarantee but some of them are thinking it. Sure. And, 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 you know, I never thought of that theory. Go ahead and get it now because I'm going to be honest with you. All the way back to January, I, you know, and I've shared this story. I felt, you know, it, I could have had it easily in January, right, because they were, we didn't know what COVID-19 was or coronavirus is what they called it back in those days. You know, uh, I, I know it was different than feeling like the flu or the or, or a common cold point that I called out of work, and I'm rarely not calling out of work. But I can promise you, that because I do stay in shape, they would say that that would probably help me. But I do know I've seen cases where guys that run marathons and triathlons, it has affected them and taken them. So, again, everybody's built body differently, and we all know that. But at what cost? And I like that quote that you said, Eugene. Hopefully you put that out there on Twitter at SO Sports Central. But, you know, one life. That's all it's got to take in college football. And if it's your team or what if it's your son, are you willing to risk? That type, just to have a season, you know, I, I couldn't speak on it. And I tell you what, you know, the, the closer it gets and the more the numbers start to score, soar here in the state of South Carolina, for me personally, it does draw a little bit more of an alarm. And here's the thing, West Virginia, don't blame Myrtle Beach for giving your your, your, your residents COVID, okay? And don't uh, Ohio, don't blame Myrtle Beach because I don't think Myrtle Beach invented it. It's the individuals that come from outside and bring it on the inside and leave it there, but also take some stuff back with you. You know, I, I don't Myrtle understand. Beach Myrtle Beach how didn't we drive did. to Morgantown. No, they sure didn't. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, and I, and I would like to say that, that, that maybe we should do something on the border control. But guess what? Florida does that. They check you at the door, and they had 4,000 cases in a day. So it's, no doubt. That's not the answer either, right? I mean, you guys, we've got about six minutes here, but, you know, I don't know the answer, but I'm – I'm not willing to cost for me to get some sports in my life to see a small child because, again, we're talking high school all the way to the NFL and the pro sports as well. I'm not willing. I'm not that hungry to see sports, if you know what I mean, guys. And, One and no thing doubt, and I told you, when we were headed to Florida, um, and, Reggie, maybe you had heard this last week um, when I came on, when I took the kids down to Florida to compete in the, um, one of the national kicking competitions, you know, right through – before you got to Jacksonville, just after you crossed over into the uh, Florida border, one of the major rest stops funneled everyone off I-95. And we went into one lane, and the lady pulled up. You know, we pulled up down the window, and it said COVID check. And she said, where are you from? We said South Carolina. Going through. Everyone from New York and New Jersey, they were turning around at the interstate. So that was, wow. That was pretty uh, – and it was pretty like it, it, it didn't matter. It was at a whole lane where you could just turn right back around, get right back on 995, and head back north. Wow. That's unbelievable. Again, something we've never seen. Right. 
But evidently that didn't work, though, because they've got 4,000 cases. So it's not just the people in New York that have it. It's not just the people in some of the hot states, as they said. But, again, if you look at the areas that have the highest numbers here in the southeast, you know, it's one thing. But if you look at the lowest, it's D.C. It's where a lot of our, our, our public figures are at that are slowly opening back up that have some of the lowest numbers. But yet Georgia, South Carolina, I think North Carolina was behind, of course, those two states. But those two states were – at neck and neck, like it, like it was a NASCAR race, so who could open up the fastest and, and become more of a, the headliner that we beat it? But yet, a, again, we look at it all costs, and we are up against the uh, the clock here, Reginald. We um, first of all, we hope you enjoyed your Sunday and and, and the Father Day festivities and all that. But uh, we want to get you back in here, and as long as there's some headlines, man, if you can give us a, a, an odd day other than Tuesday, we'd love to talk to you some more. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get that figured out offline. We'll pro- it'll probably be Thursday at least this week. Uh, we can make that happen. But I, I'll tell you what, right now, uh, just uh, the big thing I, I'm telling everybody is, you know, as it res- relates to college football, uh, there's a paradigm shift happening. If these kids are not going to feel comfortable in terms of COVID-19, or in the case of Kylan Hill down at Mississippi State in the SEC, uh, the flag mm-hmm. situation, it's changing. And, and, and these kids understand that they have options now. They have choices. And they're going to uh, choose to activate them. And so we've got to, again, remain as the adults in the room, right, if you will, we've got to remain the protectors of these kids and allow them uh, to be uh, what they are as young people and, and, and be young athletes and be student athletes. No doubt about it, man. And I tell you what, you're you're exactly right from from the uh, the, the situation down there in Mississippi, and uh, we source we saw this in Oklahoma, not not but a week or so ago, with an athlete said, "Look, if something change, you know, I'm not walking out on this field with these guys. That's just the way it is." And I applaud athletes for standing up for what they believe in. And, and again, you know what? We should support those guys. Right? I mean, they're adults making adult decisions, and 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 I love the fact that you're seeing the shift in society, change is going to happen. It's inevitable. You either change with it or you watch it and it goes by you and, and you get left behind because it's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And uh, the one thing that doesn't change is Reginald bringing up the five-star segment, buddy. God bless you, your family. Stay safe. Uh, stay happy. And uh, we'll stay in touch here in a couple of uh, an hours or so. We'll catch up about Thursday night. That sounds good, guys. You guys take care. Be safe. Let me leave you with this. Uh, there's two guys that I think are thoroughly on the clock right now. Mike Leach at Mississippi State and Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. You guys are on the clock. You are under the microscope on how you handle this potential situation. Well, potential situation of a player doing this uh, at Ole Miss, and already a player standing out, standing up and saying uh, that he's not going to play until it changes. Are in the hot seat, if you will. They are. They are. They are there, and they've got hmm. to be prepared, and they better have the right answer, because if they don't. I'll put it this way. One way or the other, something's not going to be perfect. They better have the right answer. I'll leave you guys with that. Be careful. Be safe. Have a wonderful Tuesday night. We are. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We are, of course, uh, referring to his days of Joe Pye and the Penn State Nittany Lions, the one and only Reginald Walker Jr. And, again, he'll join us back on Thursday night. We're going to try to shoot for 730, maybe 7 o'clock. But, nevertheless, there's a lot to cover with him as uh, he, he vaguely kind of touched on what's happening down there. And, again, two very interesting coaches that are on the hot seat. Neither one of them bite their lip very often. Let's just hope 
when they speak, they speak an educated and very um, correctly uh, terminology because, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very tough time to make sure that you're making the right decisions. So with that, Eugene, you did a great job tonight, brother. We appreciate all that you do behind the scenes. Of course, you can follow Eugene and myself at SO Sports Central. You can also find him over there on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. All of the, well, tweets and that and the others, of course, uh, are the man there. Uh, of course, uh, Eugene, we'll do this again in about, I don't know, two days. Other than that, buddy, enjoy the night. We'll see you Thursday night. Take care and be safe, buddy. Love love you like a brother. You are my brother. And just uh, is a great opportunity, great platform, great guest. Thank you for all you do. All right. As always, thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon, guys. On behalf of all of us at Southern Sports Central, guys, please go the extra mile. Do the extra thing. Main thing, do the right thing. Take care. God bless. We'll see you again Thursday night right here on Blog Talk Radio. On behalf of all of us from Southern Sports Central, we say God bless. Take care. Until next time. Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Hands Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you And it don't seem so lonely We fill it up with only two And when I hurt Hurting runs off my shoulder How can I hurt when holding you? Warm Touching warm